Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Here's the thing, right? Portuguese is quite a difficult language to read, but I'm gonna go with Hola e Benvido, the, the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast, a rugby podcast that this week is talking about a game that was won 108 points scored to by a team that didn't take part in the game. Because I am here, joined as ever by Mr. Will Owen. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. And we're also very delighted to finally be joined by the official Portugal correspondent from the Rock and Roll podcast, amongst many other places, most notably Ireland, Patricia Vieira. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's a delight. We're here to talk ostensibly about... A game that Portugal lost 108-13, despite there not being an opposition. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. Like, you look at this game, as you say, it's a game where there's 108 points scored mm. by a winning team. But the headline in The Guardian the day after this was, Cordeiro gives Portugal moment of glory. So I don't think you're right in saying Portugal lose this. I mm. think this sounds like Sorry. a tight game yes. that was won by, and spoilers, Portugal scored a drop goal in this game. So maybe a Rui Cordeiro last minute drop goal to win it? Portugal got, Portugal got the um, the full house in this game and it was actually all Rui Cordeiro. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He gave Portugal a moment of glory. That's all, that's, that's the headline of this, right? If you don't know what's happened in this game and you're reading that, you go, oh my God, Portugal played the All Blacks and got a moment of glory. That is what matters. Uh, yeah, ostensibly, the scoreboard said New Zealand 108-13 Portugal, but I really don't think that was the case because I didn't yeah, notice the All Blacks were on the pitch. Yeah, really yeah. doesn't seem likely to me. Do we In this podcast, do we talk about the hypothetical world that they're describing where the All Blacks were playing? Or should we just like make something up like, oh yeah, as if the All Blacks were playing, this is what they probs would have done? We can do both. It can be like the end of La La Land, where like both <laughs> the fantasy and the real version are true. <laughs> Is it like the OJ Simpson thing where he's like, I didn't do it, but if I had done it, here's exactly what I would have done. But I didn't do that, though. <laughs> Two very different ways of illustrating the same point. <laughs> though, maybe that would have made the end of La La Land more dramatic if OJ Simpson had turned up. Like bloody lethal weapon. Patricia, thank you very much for joining us. I think people that have listened to you on Rock and Roll and many other places will be very familiar with you as a Munster fan. But mm-hmm. we were very eager to get you on as a professional Portuguese person. It's a bit cheeky, isn't it? I'm only half Portuguese, so. We're, we really wanted to get half of you on, but we had to book the whole thing. Yeah, um, I am an expert in Portugal, even though I've never been there. <laughs> but I am Portuguese, I guess, for the purposes of this. I'm Portuguese enough to do this, I think. 
Well, when Portugal qualified for the 2023 World Cup, you were elated, were you not? You're oh, you're a bit yeah. of a Portugal fan at heart as well as a Munster fan, right? Oh, look, I love teams that play in red. That's <laughs> yes. Munster and Portugal. And um, the Wales women's team, of course. And the Wales women's team, who I hitched my wagon to for their World Cup last year because Ireland didn't make it that far. So, yeah, I love Portugal. I love watching Portugal. Now they're playing in a final this weekend, I believe, mm. after, after, the, after Ireland play, which is much less important to me. I'm like, Portugal's the game of that day. I don't think I was watching Portugal in 2007, but maybe I was. I actually don't really remember. Do, yeah, do you have any standout memories of the 2007 World Cup at all? Or is it all a bit of a blurb? No. no. It, was, it was like, we had just moved to Ireland at that point. So we were living with my grandparents and I was in school. So I reckon that any game that was played while I wasn't in school would have been on. But hmm. I just don't really remember it happening if that makes sense but it was definitely like rugby would have been on so I probably watched like Wales Fiji was probably on like it's my dad would have been watching games and then I would have been watching whatever I could have watched but I don't specifically remember okay Portugal are playing now against New Zealand I don't really remember that no I think we're all in similar boats of remembering that there was a tournament that took place but any specifics I don't know what rugby is so no you can't speak for me there still not no no okay I'm, that's why we, I'm doing we this had this know. conversation a week ago yeah uh you didn't remember then i know i'm sorry you, you i still don't remember. remember now i tried to remember but it's just i forget things this is gonna cost you your job i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll learn i'll get better give me another chance i'll learn what rugby is. <laughs> but i did watch this game funny enough i did actually have like a recent ish memory of this game in my mind because the start of the season before the last World Cup, they started doing ads on Air Sport, which is now defunct RIP Air Sports forever in our hearts, which is where they used to show the Pro 14 in Ireland. So basically, Premier Sports used to be geo-blocked in Ireland and you couldn't watch Hmm. the Pro 14. You had to pay um, for Air Sports, which was their lead presenter for all their Pro 14 coverage was Tommy Bow. So without Air Sports, without Air Sports, we probably wouldn't have 10 siblings. So we do really owe a lot to to Air Sports. They started doing ads that they were showing every game of the 2019 World Cup live on Air Sport, right? Which great. And then the summer leading up to the tournament, they had these like World Cup gold games that they were showing to like get hyped, get people hyped for the World Cup. But they they had like six games that they just showed on a loop all day, every day, because this channel didn't show anything else except the Pro 14. And the Pro 14 yeah. was finished by then. So they had like Ireland-Wales 2011. Not really a nice, gold game, good one. For, That's a good for, game. An, for an Irish I'm a channel to Yeah, score. they should show that again. They had yeah. Ireland-Australia 2011, okay. Ireland-France mm, 2015. Fine. They had New Zealand-France 2011 and Portugal-New Zealand 2007. That was their group of games. <laughs> I don't know why. I never understood why. But when we saw it was on, we sat down and watched it as if it was live. And it was probably the most fun I've ever had watching a rugby game. That's, that's such an odd combination of yeah, games. Yeah, really, to be really showing. weird. It's like either games where Ireland lost or Portugal versus New Zealand 2011 or 2007. Like France Ireland game was probably the standout Irish performance of that World Cup, but it wasn't a great all time thrilling match. It ended Paul Hunt's career. Holocon's career ended that day. Yeah. The worst day of my life. And they were like, let's show this 12 times a day before the World Cup starts. But we got the Ian Madigan gif out of it, which is the most important True. thing. True. Big fan of Ian Madigan. Yeah. The feminist icon Ian Madigan. Of course. And it's always, sometimes you see people who have no interest in rugby showing that gif of him clapping and crying. Yeah. Up to the the amount of times that's come up specifically on like my Facebook timeline. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Like, because people just share, people like, and people don't know that's a rugby player, you know, mm-hmm. there's just a person that's crying in the middle of a field or a stadium, right? And the amount of times I see people like, that I went to school or college with share that and go, they don't know that that's Ireland fly half Ian Madigan. They don't know he once had a storm of a Bristol against Sale Sharks. <laughs> yeah. You'd actually think Ireland had won something if you just looked at that gift. <laughs> it was literally a group game. Hey, they equaled their best ever performance at a World Cup with that result. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, you can't escape it. That's the thing. It's like, it's, you, just, you just have to sit and take it because there's really no escaping it. Until this year. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, well, at least you've got Portugal to fall back on. And we are genuinely <laughs> looking at their best performance ever in a Rugby World Cup here, right? Until, yeah, they, play, mean... until they play Wales in September. Oh, yes. that's just an inevitability. That's why we're rushing this episode. They out. definitely will play <laughs> Wales in September. That's inevitable. The results, oh, I'm excited. It's going to be some. It's going to go horribly. Is the thing I am slowly talking to myself into crying. Yeah. So <laughs> this episode's going out after Wales lose to Italy in the 2023 Six Nations. So, so this Portugal team. Right. This was the second game of the World Cup. We talked about it a little bit on the previous episode with noted Glasgow fan, Johnny McGinty. And there's nothing, nothing of, of note there. No reason I bring Glasgow. Johnny up. and I like each other in spite of the fact that he supports Glasgow and I support Munster. <laughs> this, this is the thing I was saying just before starting recording. Is I don't think I've ever heard you on a podcast, Patricia, without having at least three minutes on how much you hate Glasgow. Well, you brought it up. And I've now brought it up. <laughs> And I've now, I've now laid fix. the trap. I won't do it. I won't do it. Now you can go on podcasts where other people bring up how much you hate Glasgow. It's really like <laughs> Ireland in the Squidge comment section, isn't it? <laughs> Thing is, I'm surprised. I had to lie and say I was 100% Portuguese. Otherwise, you wouldn't have let me come on this podcast if you'd have found out that I'm part Irish. Wait, what? <laughs> I thought Munster was so- just a Jersey thing. How old yeah. was Arthur Seamus O'Reilly when he and his 10 siblings <laughs> sat across their mum? I wouldn't know because I don't consume any content related to Ireland. Disgusting place. Okay. okay. I'm glad we're on agreement about something. <laughs> There's a reason we got you here. I just feel sick at the mere sight of a mere fort of Ireland. When I went there a few years ago, I just threw up the entire time. It was a truly revolting place to be. That just um, happens when you're in Dublin, though. That's yeah. like a that's like a Leinster thing. I had actually when I was in Dublin, I went to on the night the anniversary of his death, there was like a David Bowie tribute night. And I was like, cool, that's around the corner from where I am right now. I might as well go. So I did. Someone recognized me then threw up mid sentence. <laughs> that didn't is... just happen that one time. That happens every time someone sees you. That's really It does mean. in Dublin. Because they, I it's just it's contagious. How much I hate Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people from Ireland who've never left Ireland suddenly hate it when they just like brush shoulders with me. It's a horrible state of being. I wish I could break out of it and hate somewhere else instead, but it's just not possible. <laughs> Maybe I should go to Glasgow one day. So, <laughs> yes, this Portugal team. We talked about them a little bit. They had squeaked into this World Cup, beating Uruguay 24-23. Something I really liked on the commentary with Bob Simmons making a big point of how few teams go to Uruguay and win. Yeah, I noticed that and I was like, was that true in 2007? How many teams were going to Uruguay in 2007, I guess, is the question. That's it. They were probably just playing like Chile and Brazil. 
So they probably had an 100% record. The commentary was very interesting on this game, I thought. It was very, oh, very God, interesting very listening to it. old commentary where I was like, don't know, I can't see, you know, Austin Healy and Ben Kay or whatever saying stuff like this today. They yeah. were obsessed with how little the Portuguese players were. Mm. They were like, little man from Portugal gets <laughs> the ball now. And I was like, that's not his name. Yeah, there's such a contrast between Bob Simmons and Murray Mexted on the commentary that Bob Simmons, as we said before, is so like matter of fact that he describes the game, he tells you what's happening in front of you, and that is it. He will commentate. There will be no self-indulgence whatsoever. And Murray Mexted is the complete opposite of that. He's mm. like, oh, yes. So um, when I last heard of Portugal, the year was 1991. <laughs> and that was because I was watching their soccer game. And, you know, it's just stuff like that. And he just chats pure bollocks, Murray Mexter. Did we give him Dick of the Day last time we heard him commentate? Probably. Probably. We should have yeah. if we didn't. Yeah. There was one point where a Portuguese fan came up on the, the big screen and he just went, well, that's a beautiful girl. Yeah. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? <laughs> he went full Mark Eller in hitting on women in the crowd whilst commentating. I, it I was, was like, his sheer, like, unabashed, like, not hiding it at all. Just being openly pervy. <laughs> yeah. And it, the thing is, he said that like after the camera had cut off her as well. Like yeah, the camera had been on long enough that we knew that's what she was talking about. Yeah. But as soon as the camera cuts away and it's like, yeah, okay, like you did not need to make a point of this. Like you can't, you can't imagine like Benjamin Kaiser or someone saying something like that. <laughs> no, but if Benjamin Kaiser did say it, I'd go, ha oh Ben. Yeah, that's actually the thing is, It would be a very charming thing for him to have said. I thought we'd had enough of Mark Eller type perving whilst commentating, but evidently it wasn't just a 1987 thing. It's a 2007 no. thing as well. He was a man of that era, was Murray Magstead. Yep, yep. <laughs> so Portugal had qualified narrowly beating Uruguay. They had then also, right, in 2006, been invited to play in the inaugural Nations Cup, which got hosted in Lisbon as well. And they were thrilled by this, the Portuguese Rugby Union. In a statement, the head of the Portuguese Rugby Union at the time said that this is going to be a great annual event that we will hold here. The Wikipedia page says it is anticipated this will become an annual event and another medium through which the Portuguese national team can develop their skills. And... After the, the Portugal finished fourth in the tournament, you know, they did okay. You know, they lost to Russia and Italy, but like they put up a bit of a fight there. The following year in 2007, when they came to hold this tournament again, that Portugal were very set on being an annual event that was going to help develop their skills. They weren't invited. <laughs> so the following year, it was between South Africa, Argentina, Georgia, Romania, Italy and Namibia. And they just didn't invite Portugal. Oh, that's not very nice. That yeah. is upsetting. Which is just utter bollocks. Yeah. They set up this thing, put it in Lisbon. Portugal like, this is brilliant. They're going to come here every year. We're going to have bloody Argentina coming here all the time. And they went, no, no, you're not having that. We're just not inviting you. That's horrible. So essentially, they've asked if they could use somebody else's house to host a house party and said, by the way, you have to go out for the evening. Like, I'll look after this. Yeah. Hence the crisps. Like, I mean, that that, ge- <laughs> that genuinely happened to me when I was in school, so maybe it's a Portuguese thing. What? But, I mean, they didn't actually come and have a house party here, but they were like, oh, your house is probably the best for house parties. And I was like, oh, is it? And they were like, yeah, but we can't c- have a house party there because we wouldn't invite you. And I was like, cool. <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks. When, what massive wankers. I, when I was in uni, I found out the day of a party that they'd been planning a house party for two months. And they just didn't tell me because I don't know why, but I lived there. So 
we've got that in common. Um, <laughs> I'd had a job interview that day to be a person helping like hold stuff for the 2015 World Cup in Leicester. And I got back in and they were like, by the way, we're having a house party tonight. It starts in like an hour. People are arriving soon. And I was like, what are you? <laughs> okay. What um, were you, what were you supposed to hold? Oh, I don't know. I genuinely don't know what the job was, but it was like to help. It was a job minimum wage to like help do odd jobs at the 2015 World Cup. And I turned up. I was late for it because the train had been delayed. I had to run there I had to sprint like just outside Leicester Station. Or not outside Leicester Station, outside kind of Leicester Town, whatever, centre. I got there, was like drenched in sweat. They had a little area set up where you can do like passing drills while you were waiting for the job interview, which was a great old job interview should have that. Really. Yeah, it's a real um, shame that they don't set one of those up outside like McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the kind of speed test and everything else there? And they had like a ball signed by Francois Pinar as well in the waiting room. You're just like, this is cool. This is a odd space to be in. They invited me in. It was a Kiwi man who asked me some questions. And I was like, I watched all the games in the last World Cup. Bloody love Namibia. Four, they were great. And he was like, cool. And I was like, and I watched so much of like Romania before the World Cup to learn who their players were. And then he was like, this is brilliant. Do you know how to hold a box? Because that's what the skills <laughs> needed here are. And he, I was like, yeah, probably. And I never heard back from them. It is such a shame when like, you try to get people involved in conversation. Like, it happened probably to both of us, or probably all mm. three of us as young'uns, where you try and engage somebody in a really nerdy conversation about rugby and they just go, cool. Uh, anyway, <laughs> like I remember not long after the 2015 World Cup, I started working in a post office and there was a guy there who was from New oh. Zealand who'd said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to get up early to watch the Super Rugby tomorrow. And I was like, oh mm. great, that's that's good. Like me and this guy have something in common. And then I was like, oh yeah, I went to the World Cup. It's just gone. And he was like, all right, yeah, that's cool. And the All Blacks won it, didn't they? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like, okay, alarm bells. He's watching Super Rugby, but he's having to double check that the All Blacks won it. And I was like, oh yeah, we went to this game and we met Nihi Milner Scudder. And he was like, who the fuck's that? So, so why, scored why, for you why, in the final. My heart why, broke at that point. Yeah, why was he getting off to watch the Super Rugby then? I don't know. I don't know. But he was a Kiwi guy who claimed he was really into the rugby. And then I kind of talked to him about that. And then I had to explain who Milner Skoda was, who scored for them in the World Cup final. And then, essentially, like I was like, oh, okay, I have to simplify this. Dan Carter and Richie McCaw, and he knew who those guys were. Why? Who cares about those guys? I, I... just have stuff like... Um... Like when I was trying to make friends with the people I lived with in my first year of university, which is like they were people I shouldn't have been making friends with. Like they were not not nice people. But, you know, when you're desperate, you're desperate. And I was like, oh, rugby, because one of them had a Leinster jersey on one day. And I was like, yeah, that's your first mistake. Yeah, the the people you don't want to make friends with, the Leinster fans. I know. But I said something about Conor Murray because that was like Conor Murray was when he was, you know, in his proper best in the world era, like undisputed, Mm. just too good. And I was like, yeah, Conor Murray, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, Luke McGrath should be starting ahead of Conor Murray for Ireland. And I was like, I'm probably never going to talk to you again now. <laughs> but we lived together for a year after that. And that... I was like, you're just wrong. Pick your battles. Very yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, of all the Leinster <laughs> players to fight for. Come on, man. <laughs> You've got one player who's the best in the world in their position. And the other is Luke McGrath. <laughs> Like Luke McGrath's good, and in that that era he was good, right? But he was like third choice scrum half good, uh, yeah, which is a good yeah. thing, 
rather mm. than like, oh yeah, yeah, he's better than the best in the world. Opposite end of the spectrum. I was once, I caught, all of these stories involved me running and trains, but I'd had to run to catch my train. I got there. I was sort of sweaty and out of breath. I sat down at the only seat that was available was on one of those table things. I think you just need me, better time management, to be honest. I think that's a very good point. <laughs> Have you point. considered setting off um, <laughs> I should, but I think running is more fun. I, I just want to feel like Tom Cruise, you know, just like jumping through the doors as they close, which is going to be the big stunt in the next Mission Impossible. It's just he's two minutes late to get his train and he doesn't have to cling on the top this time. No. So I sat down at this table and opposite me was a, was a man in an actual corkscrew hat. Oh, wow. And, and he went like, oh, busy on a mate. And I was like, yes. And I realized he was Australian and wearing a corkscrew hat. <laughs> And I just figured I was hallucinating. I thought there's no way this guy is real. Why are you telling us this story? Well, he's so... I His guy started talking to me and I was like, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, I was just listening to him talking. Then he said something about like, ah, oh, so what are you up to? Whatever. And I mentioned something about rugby and he went, ah, okay. I hate rugby. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Me too. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah same. And then he started complaining in detail about Jimmy Cowan. Oh, what? And, like, the detail of how much he hated Jimmy Cowan and he thought his pass wasn't good enough was way too specific for someone that just claimed they hate rugby. What? It must have been personal against Jimmy Cowan at some point. <laughs> yeah, like, what was, their, what was their link? Why do they hate Jimmy Cowan in particular so much? Of all rugby players to be, like, the one rugby player you know, Jimmy Cowan is so specific. Oh, no, they, they clearly knew quite a lot about rugby and they talked about having been to see, like, I think it was the Western Force or one of the teams okay. when they were younger. But they, for some reason, had really firm opinions on Jimmy Cowan. <laughs> this was probably, what, around 2014? Okay. So he hadn't been in the All Blacks for a while, but he was probably still at Gloucester. Wow. I just feel like we've uncovered a mystery. It's like, what did, what did Jimmy Cowan do? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do to <laughs> How do we find out? It's Australian annoying ever. that we've already watched the one World Cup he played in, so we can't. Yeah. We need to go back and watch it again to like for our detective work of what Jimmy Cowan did wrong. You know, I had a moment when Andy Ellis came on where I thought it was Jimmy Cowan, and I thought <laughs> this story might be relevant, but it was not. Instead, it was MLR legend, New York steel worker hero, iron worker hero. Andrew Ellis. The first man to play in every rugby league to ever exist. Yes, and every invitational game ever played. Yeah, and, uh, I love the guy. Do we, should we finally look at so, Portugal, by the way? Yes, we, yes. So their team, they name, is an incredibly strong lineup, full of people who've won the Portuguese league. I think and they there's... all just look like a group of like my uncle's friends. <laughs> like... <laughs> They just, they, none of them look like rugby players. They all just look like there was one time. So I'm not a football fan, but I love my granddad. So I'm like, right, I'll do stuff if it's with my granddad. And he, whatever year it was that Portugal were in the final of the Euros that they then won. He was like, we've, we've rented out a hall. We're going to get a big screen, like me and the boys. And I was like, yeah, I'll come fine. I like, I like, I like spending time with you. I'll go. And um, we, when we got there, it was like him and like, 35 of his friends maybe they were in the like the hall of their church and they'd gotten the big screen and everything and when they were all singing the Portuguese anthem before this Euros game looked exactly like Portugal singing the anthem before this rugby (laughs) game like it was the exact same but we were watching the football game in that hall and then where their church like the hall joins onto a bigger hall and there was like a child's fifth birthday party in that hall (laughs) so we were just next door like 
screaming at Portugal and they were next door trying to have a little nice Portuguese birthday party for their little daughter and we were like can we have some food like my granddad's <laughs> friend started filtering into the party being like what food have you got we'll take some of this some little cocktail sausages that's exactly what the Portugal team just looked like any group of Portuguese <laughs> that you just see like they just extreme vets team vibes to this Portugal yeah. team. Even like, though they, they're probably all in like their early 20s. <laughs> they all look over 40, a lot of them. Yeah. There's not one player who looks under 40 here and I'm so here for it. By the way, I know we want to talk about the team, but can we just, you've just mentioned that the Portugal anthem is just oh, incredible. It's so good. It's Every so good. single player is absolutely screaming it. To the point at which, like, you think every single player's voice is going to, like, hurt yeah. throughout the game. But, like, clearly they just don't care. Like, if they're emotionally burned out from this anthem, then so be it. Like, they're playing against the All Blacks. What's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> it's probably why they never get a pass beyond 12 in the entire game. Because <laughs> no one can call for the ball. <laughs> just spent their voices on the anthem. They're just I all, kept... like, crying and everything. They're just like, this is... We're at a World Cup. Who fucking cares after this? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Like, in like... 2023, someone needs to tell them, like, you can still be that passionate, but, like, do the rugby thing as well because you're definitely good <laughs> enough to beat, like, at least one of these teams. But it's definitely great that, wins. like, they beat the All Blacks at something. And clearly that was their, their thought process. It's like, you know, mm. our anthem, you know, they can they can put 100 points on it. They're like, our anthem is going to be better than theirs, no matter what. I kept a tally of how many players were crying. <laughs> 17. Yeah. <laughs> I counted players that looked like they were about to burst as crying already. Because <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah, a matter yeah. of time. Some of them were at the start of the anthem and they were already right on the brink. So they were definitely crying by the, the end. The cameraman was really, really close to them as well. Like he got up in there for the for the Portugal players. It felt like for New Zealand, he was like going along the line as they normally do. And then it was like someone had a mobile phone just in the Portugal players' faces when they were singing theirs. I was trying to hand them a tissue. I, I think it was the Portugal players got closer to the camera rather than the other way around. I think that was them like sc- screaming forward. But yeah, Wouldn't I love it. you be it. drawn into it, magnetically Absolutely. pulled mm. to Miguel Portea? <laughs> I know I can would I, be. Can I read a line from Miguel Portela's Wikipedia page, which I Please thought was do. really interesting? It made me laugh a lot when I looked it up. So it says, Miguel Portela de Marais, he played as a centre, although he was also capable of nearly all positions except for prop and hooker. <laughs> That's like the main line in his Wikipedia. It really made me laugh. I was like, "Is he? He's <laughs> capable, but he could he, he, he could get away with second row. He could play number eight if you want him to." Am I right in thinking that that he played for Munster? This no, that's his his centre partner, Diego Mateus, right? Munster legend. It took them. I wrote it down. Seventeen seconds into the match, they mentioned Munster in this in this game. <laughs> I wrote that down. He played one game for Munster in oh, the in the season leading up to this World Cup, I believe. Do you have like any memory of him as a player, or was he before you kind of like were big into it? I do not remember the one game he played for Munster in two thousand six. <laughs> I'll be honest. But is he your favourite player that's on this field? I mean, he he kind of has to be. Yeah, you know, like he he fits the Patricia Vieira Venn diagram. You know, you know, I look at like. I sort of second teamed the Ospreys from a very young age and like mainly did that because of Jerry Collins. Obviously he's playing Mm. also, but he didn't play for Munster. Therefore he has Mm. to fall into second place. I think that's only fair. I think that's only fair. (laughs) And what a presence Diego Mateus has. You can see why they signed him from all four of his touches of the ball. (laughs) Um, I also enjoyed that his Wikipedia page mentions that he doesn't score any points in the World Cup. <laughs> it's 
there's no need to be that brutal. It's not as bad though as uh, Luis Passara, the scrum half, who again something noted on his Wikipedia page mentions all the games he played, mentioned he captained them an awful lot. Then mentions he never scored a point during his international career. Citation needed. <laughs> And, like, do they say that on Owen Franks' Wikipedia page? I bet they don't. No, he played no, a lot not. more games. Pissarra is currently the assistant coach of the national team now. Him and Labjuske are the kind of two big figureheads. So he's still very much involved at the minute. However, right, he was also the only player, I think, largely because of his coaching career, I couldn't find a job for, for what he was doing during this World <laughs> Cup. Because I do have down... Look, we could run through the... the team on their various achievements we could run through them just by names by positions even a fullback wing center center wing etc <laughs> but i want to read you down the portuguese team by their professions okay by Great. what their full-time job were jobs w- and- were at this world cup okay after you read out read out each profession i will read out who their opposite number was let's go <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the first two are boring. Pedro Leal and Antonio Aguera are both professional sevens players. Okay, fair enough. That's well, they were boring. playing against a guy called Mills Molina or a guy called Isaiah Silva. Who cares? Okay, that's shit. There's also sorry, there was one point. There was one point in commentary where they called sevens the seven asides. <laughs> they were like Portugal have taken a lot of their team from the seven asides. I was like, what? That's very old school. It took isn't me it? a second. I was like, what does that mean? And then I was like, oh, he's talking about sevens. <laughs> So, okay, the professions of the Portuguese players who aren't professional sevens players. Lawyer. So the lawyer's opposite number is Comrade Smith. Diego Mateus, who's obviously professional at Munster. Against a guy called Aaron Major. Who cares? 3-1. Being, to being a professional at Munster is literally better than being Aaron Major. So Yeah, I agree. Political journalist, which is made my favourite on the list. <laughs> Political journalist gets the ball and tries to take Joe Rockathoco on the outside. <laughs> puts the twinkle toes on. Uh, civil engineer at day. 10. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That civil engineer definitely got one over Nick Evans today. No idea what the scrum half was doing. Absolutely <laughs> no idea what Pizarro was doing. I don't know what Brendan Leonard was doing either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm then going eight rather than from one for the okay. forwards. Lawyer. Vasco Uva was a lawyer. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. Sioni Laraki wasn't. He doesn't have a law degree. Who is Sioni Laraki? He's one of these names that just kind of escapes. You, you and you're know like, him. You, you I do him. know him, but like, also I don't. He was like, like uh, one of those kind of like influx of like Pacific Island. Um, yeah, yeah, He played yeah. for the Pacific Islanders. And he, I know he played a few cats for the like he played for Claremont for a while. Yeah, but I, I know who he was, friends. but I also don't. Yeah, <laughs> one yeah. of those completely anonymous players who I know nothing about beyond his name. Sorry, where were we? We were lawyer. So physiotherapy student. That sounds better than Chris Marsoe. Yeah, agreed. Now, I also have no idea what Diego Cortino was doing, but right, his net worth is reported as over five million. Jeez. And he is he, regarded- he was doing money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> regarded as the richest rugby player in Portugal which is a hell of a claim. You know, it's always been many people's dream. Clearly wasn't a fan of amateurism being the greatest force for good in the world uh, <laughs> and was richer than Jerry Collins. So we don't know that. We, hey, I've heard his Osprey's contract was pretty healthy. <laughs> but I'm, yeah, I'm 
incredibly fascinated by the fact that he's apparently worth five million and like his instagram is set as private so like no one can know what he's doing i think you're have you tried following him uh no no (laughs) i think oh he's got a soundcloud (laughs) yo that's what he was doing he's gonna turn out he's like a world famous rapper that we've all heard of there's also he goes by the the alias carly ray jepson oh my god I just went to see her in concert. I can't believe oh, that she was playing for Portugal in the 2007 World Cup and no one told me. How was she? Unbelievable. Yeah. Like fucking insane. So good. I'm seeing her in about three months. So oh, I'm very excited. Oh, she's doing Glastonbury, isn't she? She is. Yeah. She is. And I'm very yeah. excited. Like genuinely, like she is like in probably top five people I'm most excited for from that first poster. Um, yeah, she played like the, the room holds like 1100 people and it was oh, wow. so, so good. Like I went with one of my friends who was like, she'll go anywhere just for a day out. Like she, she wasn't, she wasn't ours. She was like, I'll come with you because you want to go. And I like going That's out. Nice. And I was like, fine. And then we were walking back to our hotel afterwards and she was like, well, we have to do that again sometime. And I was like, yes, absolutely we do. She was so good. And playing for Portugal at the same time. Unbelievable. Good networks on a outplay on this, Collins. Hold on, on this call, should we get her in to comment on having played for Portugal? <laughs> okay, she's, okay. She's here as usual. You're on mute, Carly. You're on... Call oh, me, maybe. Every week. <laughs> never mind. Never yeah, mind. Never mind. Okay, Who's in second row for Portugal week. then? So the second row, you've got one was a professional in the pro day, okay. which is maybe the highest standard. Cage fighter. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know yeah. what? Ali Williams matches that. Yeah, and a lawyer. Okay, sounds. Chris Jack ain't got shit on that. A lot then, of lawyers in this team. Yeah, both props were professionals in the pro day, which okay. when you look at them, you're like, yeah, of course they were. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Nimi Atialata and Greg Somerville will have had time at least in the top 14, not if not Pro Dejo. So that's we'll call it evens on that. And Correa, the hooker, was a physician. Okay, Andrew Hall was a rugby player. <laughs> <laughs> However, the bench, right? We have a vet, a neurologist, a professional in Federal One, a professional in Spain, a doctor, a doctor, and the director general of a restaurant. <laughs> It does sound like a world-beating team. Imagine if they won the World Cup. Honestly. As you can tell by Portuguese standards, I'm quite the disappointment. <laughs> I'm not a doctor or a lawyer or a physio... What was he? A physiotherapy student? I'm none of those things. You've got a degree in one of those things. Yeah, kind of. Like, you're and you're well underway. I've never played in the pro data. That's true. That's, That's true. a good thing. That's something to Patricia. work on. <laughs> yeah. a good You're thing. still here, we can tell. Yeah. That's why when the Portuguese side of my family talk to me, they refer to me as the Irish one. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> the biggest insult anyone can ever make. No, they don't. Um, but all of my grandparents' friends do not like me because I'm not Portuguese enough for them. I have got up the menu, though, for Reserve Fly Half. Duarte played all the Pinto, who comes off the bench, you know, kicks a He was hilarious off a... the bench, by the way. Yeah. He now, I've got up the menu for his restaurant, right? I bet it runs. was really fucking good. <laughs> Looks it. There is not a vegetarian. Oh, no, there is. There's one vegetarian option, which is tomato and mixed greens, pine nuts, and almonds. But everything else, it's a big, he's got a, a popular dish called the best of Portugal. Uh, nice. Which is just himself. It's just footage of him missing a drop goal. <laughs> it's a selection of national cheeses and sausages. Yeah. And acorns. 
<laughs> wow. Like bloody scrap from Ice Age. Uh, a lot of lobster dishes. Yeah, Portuguese um, food is not very good at being vegetarian. I'm learning this. <laughs> Iberian pork ribs with barbecue sauce. Veal loin in bolo de colo. Caico? Oh, fr- yeah, bol- French. Bol- bol de cac. It's like, it's garlic bread. Okay, right. <laughs> Basically. It's, look, it looks like a delicious, we should go there sometime. Portuguese yeah, yeah. food is, is actually really good, but you would have to not be a vegetarian anymore. <laughs> You'd have to go back to eating fish. I'll work on it um, <laughs> one day. That's what he's up to now. I just thought that was a fun distraction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Made me really want some Portuguese food now. Should we look at the All Blacks team? We basically have, but it's, it's kind of decent. boring. They're just all yeah. really good. I feel like Graham Henry really did not have to do all of that for the game against <laughs> Portugal. But I, had that. I just felt like it was just not necessary in any way, shape or form. When they got to the coach's box, I was like, why is Graham Henry there? Like, why did he bother coming? Like, has he not got bad things to do? There was a point on commentary where they were like, Steve Hansen is here today. And I was like, well, yeah, that's his job. <laughs> coach. He's got to turn up. The starting team is extremely boring, but massive bonus fun points to them for putting Carl Heyman on in the second row. And Kevin yeah. Mialamu on the flank. And Kevin Mialamu yeah. on the flank. Like they have two hookers on the bench. They're twice as many front rows on the bench as other teams do in this tournament, and I love that. Not to and mention, neither of them came on in the front row either. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention as well that um, Portugal had Joaquim Ferreira on the bench, who came on at number eight, according to ESPN Scrum. So at one point, that means there were eight, maybe, front rowers on the field, which mm. is heroic. That would- New Zealand's bench. You know how you talk about having like a a six two split or whatever. New Zealand had a four four split of front rowers to players that weren't front rowers. <laughs> that's, that's like half of their split. bench were front row forwards. Yeah, over half of their bench, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Four three, there's, only, yeah. there's only yeah, there's only seven players at this point, which Did is insane. Do a four four split for this weekend in the Six Nations? Yeah, I think Italy have. I think Italy. Yeah, have I was going to say. I think I read that yesterday. Oh, is it France? No, France, isn't it? Sorry, France have got it. Yeah. 4 4. Nothing beats when Canada in the Women's World Cup last year did a 4 4 split one game and then the next game did a 7 1 split. It's like, well, I did not work out for you, did it? That was like the Lions. Remember when everyone on the Lions tour had COVID, so they had to do 7 1, but the back was Finn Russell. <laughs> it's vintage. It's the sort of thing you do on, like, when I'm playing as Australia on the bloody Rugby World Cup game. And I'm like, well, I want to get all of these players in the team. So I'm just going to put entirely backs on the bench and hope I don't get any injuries. Quaid's going to play second row at the end. Yeah. I have a moment for, so a tight head, New Zealand have Greg Somerville, who isn't real. And I just, so he isn't real. He doesn't exist. It's okay. fine. Okay. Apparently a 66 captain New Zealand. I don't believe you, but was nicknamed Yoda due to his resemblance to the Star Wars character, right. which seems like a far-fetched thing. Then I saw a photo of him, and he's like, oh, no, okay. For a man that looks nothing like Yoda, he looks a lot like Yoda. Is he small and green? <laughs> this is the thing. For a man that looks nothing like Yoda, he looks a lot like Yoda. Okay. It ain't easy like, being green, I've heard. I have heard otherwise, to be honest. Um, oh, really? It's worth looking at a photo. Yoda. It's worth looking at a photo of Greg Somerville to just understand how a massive, tall, white Kiwi man can somehow still look like Yoda, because he does. 
Like, honestly, okay. look up a photo of Greg Somerville because he looks like Yoda. Oh, my God, he actually does. He does, doesn't he? He actually does look like Yoda, genuinely. It's like Yoda. That's so weird. Why did he do that? Holy shit, he looks like Yoda. <laughs> you wouldn't think it was possible. I'm sorry for taking the piss out of you for believing that the man looked like Yoda. <laughs> but the man, he looks like Yoda. He's a okay. massive guy who looks I, like Yoda somehow. I approve that nickname. Cool. Yeah, it's just an extraordinary thing that someone that's 18 stone and six foot two can somehow <laughs> look like Yoda. But it's a look, I'm just proud of him. I'm just proud to of him. To be fair, we don't know Yoda's height and weight measurements. Something <laughs> that's, that's ever been explicitly said. What position do you think Yoda would have played in Scrum rugby? off. Yeah, you think? obviously. You think he was that mobile? Yeah, 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 yeah. You seem to do backflips on that. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah, like right. basically the same size as Craig Casey. They have like the same. <laughs> I was thinking like quick hooker. He wouldn't need to pick the ball up. He could just like zoom it away, like using the force. <laughs> that's true. Just get that's it into the hands. It's <laughs> true. Portugal could have done with him today. Yeah. <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Should we look at the game, then? Let's look at the game. Let's look at the game. Because, right, okay, I don't know about you two, but I was in such a shithouse mood against the All Blacks as soon as this kicked off. Yeah, like I, I can't like... be the only one who wondered why Portugal didn't get to do a hacker as well. Right? <laughs> Honestly. They yeah. could have done the they could have done the bilinguals or something before the match. It would have been so good. I said this is actually something I said on our podcast this week. I said that they should let Ireland do a little one, two, three, one, two, three before the matches start. And I just think that maybe every country should get to do a little dance. I Canada think need to get Carly Ray out. Yes, exactly. They can all cut to the feeling together. She had li- she had a little hand choreography when she was singing Julian. They could do that. Yes. Now we're talking. I think that before the game, they should have just let Duarte Pinto like cook a dish for the All Blacks <laughs> whilst they were doing the hacker, and that could be their response. They've got so many lawyers. You know, it's almost like this podcast. They've got so many lawyers. They <laughs> yes. could have just got them to do like a trial. You know, they, Honestly, they could have had like a Phoenix Wright situation. A, 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 little, a little moot before the game started. <laughs> <laughs> but they the could game... at least have like, I don't know, like arranged some housing for them or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's actually my favourite part of Diego Cortino, the richest man in Portugal's <laughs> house. No, thing. It's owner page... of all the money in the world. Yes. Yes. That page that said he's worth five million and all source of income rugby player. <laughs> cars no house lives in own house <laughs> they should have brought a dog on the pitch before this game and let Rui Cordero sort of treat the dog yes they should have <laughs> can I also add it also says according to our records Diogo Cortina is single and has not previously been engaged as of January 12 2023 so slightly out of date <laughs> <laughs> Diego Cortina is not dating anyone. <laughs> we have we have this record. 
of past relationships for Diego Cortina. Nobody. <laughs> He's just like me for real. It's just it's it's needlessly brutal to him. I feel like we're missing something with Diego Coutinho because why are they so like in his business? Like what has he done that we don't know about to warrant this level of sort of interest and intrigue and five million money? So height unknown, weight not known. <laughs> One is unknown, the other is not known. Body measurements under review. <laughs> They're still checking. They've been checking since January 2023. They've got the Dave Pearson and the TMO check. <laughs> trying to work it out. Eye colour not available. This guy does not exist. This is not a human being. Hair colour. He's just a pile of money in Portugal. <laughs> Hair colour not available. Feet slash shoe size. Not available, unlucky Bernard Jackman. So, yeah, he's listed as one of the elite list of famous celebrities from Portugal. He celebrates his birthday on September 3rd every year. He doesn't change it up. So they know that. They know his birthday, but they don't know, like, what colour his eyes are or whether or not he has legs or whatever else they were talking about. (laughs) He's got a countdown to his birthday. Oh, how long is it? As we record it, it's 176 days, 8 hours and 46 minutes. Right, so, everyone write that down. Yeah, yeah. That's just before we fly out to France for the World Cup, isn't it? So we have, to, yeah. we have to celebrate somehow. What day, what day is it? September 3rd. What oh, year? Every year. we go. <laughs> that is just before we, I go, I'm going out for the World Cup as well. We'll have, oh, to, have, we'll have to have a party. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Portuguese food. We can hold it in his house. We don't have to invite <laughs> him, as we previously learned. <laughs> Well, no, it doesn't. They don't know whether he has a house. Oh no, he lives in oh, his he, own house. He lives in <laughs> his, his own, own house. house. Sorry, yes, yes. Can I also mention Antonio Aguera, the winger, mm-hmm. professional sevens player, plays very well in this game. I think. Yeah, I enjoyed him a great deal. However, he shares a name with a very celebrated and famous Mexican singer. Okay, who is also listed on his Wikipedia page as a Mexican singer, actor, songwriter, equestrian. Which I think just means horse, film producer <laughs> and screenwriter with a dominating career in music. Wow, he's the Mexican Donald Glover. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Given the honorific nickname El Charo de Mexico or Mexico's Horseman. I totally believe that's the same guy that played on the wing for Portugal. Yeah, yeah. I think so. He's doing all of those things. Yeah, he's just incredibly prolific. Also, Mexican Donald Glover sounds like it could be like a community B plotline. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's where Coutinho stole all the money from is from uh, old Donald outside him but yeah also known as the godfather of banda music he's not which... known as that though <laughs> no one's ever called him that I assume that's like banda the former fullback oh I remember the... banda yeah played Mazzoli for the banda. Kings. yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. He absolute player, player, player. he was uh, there you are. There's sorry. There's not needless callback to URC players. <laughs> Should we look at the game? Right. Let's look at the game. So Portugal take the first kickoff, and you go like, "Yeah, go on, lads, go yeah. on, lads." And then New Zealand drop said kickoff, and it's just like, "Mate, these guys are a bunch of bottlers. What are they doing here?" So Portugal, Portugal took the, took their own kickoff, and then within like 37 seconds, New Zealand had a line out on Portugal's 22. It was really <laughs> upsetting. 
It's great because like you see Portugal take that kickoff and have this big charge up and you're like, yes, they're going to do it. They're going to win. They're absolutely going to win. And then you see the first pass from Pizarro <laughs> and you just go, oh my God, no, this is a fucking shambles, boys. He lobs it back between his 10's legs. <laughs> and then... Uh, don't get me wrong, his 10, Maliero, is not necessarily in a good position. Like, he's no, just stood no. completely, like, basically behind him, not really in, like, the pocket. He's kind of stood, like, in no man's land. The ball goes between his legs, he picks the ball up and goes, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for this beautiful, like, 50-22 style. I say 50-22. They were, like... Inside the inside the half, before yeah. that pass, and now they're back in their own half. But he picks it up. He's like, "Oh, I've got loads of time. I'm just gonna perfectly spot this into the corner without noticing." Like, no, no, no. New Zealand, New Zealand are covering exactly the. Yeah, like, like, you kicked just the where one he's, place. He's kicking it to where the ruck was. Like the players just made the tackle <laughs> and getting back to their feet and stood there, like the one place with the highest concentration of players. Can we have a word for Gonzalo Malahiro? Yeah, because. I love him. He's, He's incredible. so wonderful. He's just the epitome of a Vets fly-off where you go, oh, he was good in his day, though. It's the epitome <laughs> of who he is, except he's playing at a Rugby World Cup. He's just like, I love the fact that he can barely pass. <laughs> like, I love the fact that he is a good fly-half, despite the fact that he can't really pass the ball. But, right, he, he can Why does he it. need to pass? He's a civil engineer and he can civilly engineer drop goals. Like, why yeah, does he actually important. need to pass? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good point. Like, he, the thing is about him is that he throws, like, five or six passes to the floor in the, the half that he plays, <laughs> right? When you go, like, oh, no, no, he, like, he absolutely, like, cannot pass at all. Yeah, I came away thinking, like, fucking hell, he played well. Yeah. <laughs> Was it he kicks well, but he also... Other or he one. can hit. Yeah. Like, he's clearly not a natural fly half at all. But he's the only player in their team who can kick, so they put him at 10. He's the skillful eight in the Vets team, who was really yeah. good in his day, where they go like, oh, he can play 10, that's fine. He played at a high level. It's just like, it gave me big and Monroe vibes. Yes. Yeah. Like, he's not quite the titanium 10, but I'm talking like the tinfoil 10. Like, <laughs> just slotting in. Bloody nailing everything. At one point, he makes a breakdown turnover by counter-rucking because he's bloody massive and a force of nature at the breakdown. It's what I want from a fly-half. I want a fly-half who just flies into tackles in a way they shouldn't that will probably injure themselves but breaks the opposition more and then sometimes nails the ball 50 metres. That's what I want. Kicks drop goals as well. Other important factor. And does this really shit kick at the start of the game. And it's yes. great because New Zealand then just like throw two passes and Isaiah Tuiava's is like running like 50 odd metres. And there's just, it's just really funny because you go like, oh no, no, this is going to be, like I knew there was 100 plus points in this game, right? Yeah. And I assume like, it, that's a lot of points. So I assume like, oh yeah, they're going to score basically every time they get the ball. And then Tuiava gets put into touch and I'm just like, way enjoy the touchline, <laughs> lads. <laughs> Dickheads. Well, New Zealand took three minutes to score and I was genuinely like, what a sluggish start from the old guys. Guys, you've got a, you've got a hundred more points to score. Fucking hurry up. Like... And because like when you look at it, everything looks so simple for them. Yeah. It's got a big vibe of like, you know, when you watch a really shit standard of rugby and you kind of get your brain into it and you adapt to it and you adjust to it. And then you go and watch like the All Blacks play Australia or something an hour later and your brain just separates them as two different games or two different styles of the sports almost. Like watching two different genres of film and you're like, well, no, they're separate. They don't link. And then you see it go from that kind of standard 
the way Portugal were playing. And suddenly the All Blacks, and you're like, oh no, okay, they've actually got to play against. The... Right, yeah. okay. Like, this like, is actual Joe Rocasaco scoring. That's not just yeah. the Yeah. Like, yeah. Conrad Smith's on the field and is about to have a quiet game. Like, that's the level of quality we're talking about. Yeah, like, I, there was at some point near the end of the game where I was like, was Conrad Smith a substitute? Like, has he just come on? And yeah. then I was like, oh, he's actually was there the whole time. I was like, Portugal are just so good that they've just shut down Conrad Smith for basically this entire game. <laughs> yeah, yeah like a... he got outplayed by by Miguel de Morales, I would say. And likewise, Nick Evans gets absolutely smashed by my hero shortly after I think it's shortly after the first try shortly before the first try I mean like before we get into New Zealand scoring any points because I feel like we can nicely just delay that that kind of aspect of it and just live in this world with Portugal can we just can we just say Nick Evans was low-key shit in this game you think yeah I don't think he played very well like firstly he got handed off by Aguiar on the wing Mm. um like really early on it's like oh mate he's gonna go the distance he's the Mexican horseman I think the I think the problem is that New Zealand did weren't trying, so they didn't <laughs> have it. to they didn't have to look good to do anything. It was like they had a meeting before the game, and they were like, "Jerry Collins will work, and the rest of us will do nothing." Yes. <laughs> because he made like New Zealand scored what sixteen tries, and I reckon Jerry Collins created twelve of them. like six of them uh so portugal's main tactic in defense is intercept (laughs) it's all they're interested in doing they don't want to make tackles but they want to go for the intercept all the time so new zealand score about five tries from a player looking to pass and noticing (laughs) everyone around them is going for the intercept they just walk in a straight line through and score every portuguese player going pass to me yeah And to be fair to Portugal, I don't know if I've ever watched a game with that many intercepts. Like, obviously, none of them were successful, but they actually got it like four times. There was one in like the first few minutes where Marcelo Dori got the intercept and hit a lovely kick down the field because he was like, I'm a second row in 2007. I do not run. You said a lovely kick down the field. It went very out on the full. Yeah, but it, he's a second row in 2007. What do you expect him to <laughs> yeah. do? There he's was not tight a... burn. He's not tight burn. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There was such a great moment of drama there because that was when New Zealand were five nil up, and it was like, oh mate, so I was just going for the intercept. <laughs> just going to go the distance. Oh wait, no, he is the slowest man I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, think about it, right? He's a lawyer. He was. A... Yeah, he spends exactly. seven days a week, like. <laughs> stamping paperwork and it like, is it's beautiful nick evans got intercepted by a lawyer <laughs> normally, like he's normally like he'd normally charge by the hour for his performances <laughs> here but he has charged by 18 minutes instead but here he is taking intercepts from nick evans as it's glory like, i think he has a really good game yeah I, like, I he's love like him. a very fat slow second row who can't really get around the park at all but every time he does like he clearly works as hard as it is capable of him to do and he gives everything he's got i really enjoyed watching him he was great yeah that was was pretty early on but there was a point five minutes into this game where commentary had clearly given up because they started talking about the fact that nick evans had been enjoying lots of sailing yes while new zealand were in camps like you don't you don't have to you don't have to rub it in that much like he wasn't even at training he was out on his boat because he was like we're playing portugal this week i'll go sailing instead and commentary were having so much more fun talking about that than the actual game murray mcstead says most new zealanders are keen sailors which I don't think is a fact. <laughs> that makes no sense. Why, why would he say that? It's just because New Zealand's an island. Like, is that, do Irish people like sailing? Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know any sailors. No. 
Well, your Portuguese, get... I don't know how you would know. <laughs> That's true. That is true. We need to get Jamie Wall back on and ask him if everyone from New Zealand is a keen sailor. Because that's what I'm hearing. That's what I've heard. So Joe Rocafoco scores that try that I mentioned. Shut uh, up. Where he just walks through. And you're like, oh, brilliant. It looks oh, like he's I'm playing Joe touch. Rocafoco and I exactly. score tries. He Shut looked up. like the dickhead in touch who starts taking it seriously all of a sudden. Yeah, and you're like, oh, come off it, mate. And then he does it again shortly afterwards. The second and like, one. what are you doing? Yeah. yeah, and that's from 50 metres. And he literally just chose to score there. Like he there was that. Shane Byrne and Jason Leonard started this thing a few, oh, it's, I don't know when it started, like 2012 maybe, mm. where they do these um, Irish versus English legends matches. And oh, they do yeah, them, yeah. Like they do them the day before Ireland play England in the Six Nations in whichever city the game is on. So it's in Dublin this year. But the very first ones, we've been to everyone that's been in mm. Ireland. They're really good. They're really good fun. They're like charity games and stuff. And the very first one, the English team took it way too seriously and they picked like, I think Nick Abendon and played and he was either just retired or like was actually still playing. And there was like, mm-hmm. but the, the English team were like way too fit for it. Like Josh Lucy was there and it was like, you're so much better than the like decrepit old Irish players from like the 80s that they brought out to play this game. And England scored like 15 tries and just kind of ruined the whole day for everyone else. And that's what I felt like New Zealand were doing in this game. It was like, you've just taken yeah. it way too seriously and because there's large passages of new zealand just kind of chucking it around and clearly looking like they're having fun and they're not really bothered about scoring and then one player will be the dickhead who has to finish it yeah like what are you doing what a villain like the only try i'm not angry about is andrew horse because <laughs> <laughs> like at least he is being tackled over the trial and he had no choice and he's yeah. a front row forward and he doesn't yeah, get no, probably actually... his first try for the all blacks you know? I actually li- I liked Carl Heyman's try just because of the way he held it when he was going down. That's he true. Was like, That's he was like, I, ca- I can't drop this. It was like, my guy, you're like 100 points up. If you drop it, <laughs> it's going to be okay. He's holding it like a baby. Yeah. Like a baby that you're pressing onto the turf. Which is the like situation. Dive down on top of onto the ground. <laughs> yeah. I would make a great parent. <laughs> so... We have Portugal managed to somehow get themselves. They're like they're like they're so up for it though. It's like the entire yeah. way. There's no moment of like lower optimism or anything, and you have that real sense of like you you know they hold New Zealand to five nil after ten minutes, which is yeah. not a bad result. I know it sounds patronising. No, 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 it's true. No, we're like, looking at the number one versus the number twenty second team in the like, world. New Zealand, as well as being the best team in the world, they're the best team at hammering people. Out of energy, yeah. you know, like they always come up with the big score lines when they have to. And it was one of those where all of the smallest victories were celebrated by Portugal. And every mm. time that they won a scrum or they won a line out or they, you know, made which a wasn't, good Which wasn't tackle. often. They did yes. not often win a scrum. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And that's it. Like, and to be fair, like the front row was going backwards at a rate of knots. Vasco Uva did such a good job of rescuing mm. that ball at yeah. the back of the scrum so many times. It was um, like big Tulupe Falato stuff. Like I was like, yes. how are, how's that ball got out of that scrum? There was a yeah. point where I was like, if you didn't know the result of this game, you would think that maybe like there might be something about to happen. And then I looked and it had been seven and a half minutes. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, I guess not then. <laughs> but it was Fortunately, great. we're in it. Yeah, it was great. Like whenever like they turned the ball over or something, there's one great turnover that Dior, Diori at second row gets on the floor where he is so like he's so illegal. Mm. Where he's like on his on his knees and his hands essentially just crawling trying to get the ball, and the referees just tell like, yeah, they've got enough points. Like you can have this penalty, that's fine, whatever. And like just moments like that were just fantastic. And like 
points where like, they try and string together an attack, and obviously it wasn't troubling the All Blacks. Like you know, you're playing against literally the best, one of the best teams in the world with an amateur attack here. You know, trying to get lawyers to break tackles and stuff. <laughs> but it was great because like, they were winding the clock down at the same time. You know, and they're just making the most of it. It was great. It was so much fun to watch. 2007 refereeing was mad, by the way. Yeah, like insane. Because I don't know that. Can you imagine that sort of scrum? dominance now without there being a yellow card to someone yeah, at some point yeah. like no one ever they, they he wasn't even penalizing them for most of them and I was like this is insane he was just like he was like they're already Portugal like let's just let them get away with everything I can't give them a yellow card as well yeah he evened the game up a little bit and that's fine we're <laughs> fine with that I say he evened it up the final score was 108 13 <laughs> yeah a little bit just a tiny yeah. bit only but spiritually it was much lower than that oh Sadly. yeah Spiritually, it was a record win for Portugal. Roy Cordero had a moment of magic for Portugal. Yeah. Like their moment of glory. Exactly. Exactly. There's a great bit in the first half where Pedro Leal, the fullback and kind of sevens legend, makes a break off a counterattack and all of the Kiwis swarm in on him. No one goes for anywhere else. They don't spread out into a line. They don't try and get to his support. They just all go for him because they're like, well, he's not passing. He's not getting to anyone else. He is the one danger man we've got to watch. He doesn't get far beyond that, you know, when he's got 15 New Zealanders swarming on him, all of them telling about the love of sailing. But he gets taken to ground. But Portugal slowly creep their way up the pitch. And we get towards, at 12 nil down, a hell of a special moment. Yeah. Good old Gonzalo Maliero at 10. Pulling the strings, I would say. Yeah, Undoubtedly. Absolutely. But sat in the pocket and goes, you know what? 12-3 down. Let's, let's, just, let's just bite into this scoreboard, why don't we? And it was a really good drop goal as well. It wasn't like one of those manky ones that just barely goes over. It was like, this is like a proper drop goal. He's actually like planned this. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. The The best thing is that it comes immediately on Portugal's first real attack of the game where they lose 20 metres. Yeah. And he goes, no, I know the way into this. <laughs> we need four drop goals to equalise. Yes. And he'd already <laughs> missed one and he'd missed it like so closely. Like, it was a really, really good attempt. Really ambitious he... attempt from, like, near halfway. Yeah. When he went for that second one, I thought, yeah, this is absolutely the correct thing to do because he, he's kicked better than a lot of better teams fly halves have going for drop goals in this tournament. And, yeah, I celebrated that. I thought, yes, go mm. on, Portugal. Like, they're in the game. They're on the scoreboard. Not as much as he celebrated it, though. No, 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 no. He did that thing of, like, running off, finding the cameras, saying, look at me, I am the dog bollocks. <laughs> And he was so right. Full Jamie Tart. It was <laughs> incredible work. Like I, I just looked, I just looked because I thought that Diogo Mateus might have a Heineken Cup winners medal, despite the fact that he played one game for Munster, but he was a season too late. But he did his oh. one game for Munster was in the Heineken Cup. In the oh. opening game of the Heineken Cup against Leicester Tigers in Welford Road. So I don't really know what was going on. That he started on the wing in this one game for Munster in the Heineken Cup and then never played again. Wow, that's so very odd. I don't know if they just, maybe they just didn't I, like him after that. Because he's in this full monster team. But that's the period where those were the two kind of front runners. Like, yeah. less, you would have well, had Monster had Monster two. had won it the year before and they won it then the year after. And Leicester had won it the year before Munster had. Yeah, so, so that's a huge one game. game. His one never, appearance. Never played again. So I thought the Portugal might have a player with a, with a Heineken Cup medal, but they don't, unfortunately. Oh. 
yet that is a shame so far yes yeah i believe gonfalo my hero can turn out for who's gonna win it this year the ospreys are actually still in it so yeah they're gonna win it that will like lara shell not too late he's a very lara shell signing it's not too late for them to sign samuel marks um mm. that is true Gonzalo Malero is probably younger than Jonathan Sexton is now, and he's starting for Ireland in the Six Nations. So you joke, but genuinely, there's only three years between them. That's the thing. I actually wasn't joking. <laughs> <laughs> so he nails it. He runs back, cheering and celebrating himself. And I love that he celebrates it more than Johnny Wilkinson and Joel Stransky put together their World Cup winning drop goals. Like there's more celebration for Malhero's drop goal to put them to 12-3. And you know what? Good on him. That's deserved. Yeah, oh, I love it. I'm not yeah, going to talk Drop goals down. in rugby yeah. World Cup history, probably. You know, not being nilled by the All Blacks means much more than winning a World Cup. So That's Absolutely. One absolutely. 15 drop goals he nailed throughout his career. The last oh, of the 15. What a guy. And what a drop Portugal's goal Portugal's all-time top point scorer. Oh, yes. What a guy. What a guy. Can we also have a moment for the fact that the lead up to this was because Maliero got an intercept himself and kicked the ball downfield. And it was a lovely kick he did downfield. Like Aguiar did this brilliant bit of footwork to keep it in play to the point at which the bloody bottler, Leon McDonald, goes back there and just boots it into touch because he, he's too scared to play the ball and try and run at a Portuguese player, right? He's too scared to do it. He just doesn't want to do it. He's a bottler, right? And then Portugal get a five-meter line-out. You're like, okay, they're going to score a try here. And Chris White calls the line-out not straight. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's, that's dick of the day nomination territory oh, there. I wrote exactly the same thing down. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. That's a dick of the day nomination. It's yeah. marginal. Yeah. And I feel like line-outs not being straight wasn't even a big thing back then. Like, referees are really hot on it now for some reason. Like, it's come back into fashion. But I feel like it wasn't... I don't know if that's a that, that's not a 2007 thing. Also, yeah. they're playing against fucking New Zealand. <laughs> Let yeah, them exactly. have their not straight line out. Let them pass it directly to the second row if they want. And that would have that would have truly evened up the game. You know, I think yeah. if Portugal did get that line out, I can't see them losing from there on out. No, no, it's just no. It's destiny. You know, sometimes <laughs> also, destiny takes over. The the flip side of what I've just described, there's this great point where Jerry Collins makes a break and go for a kick. As he loved a chip kick to Jerry Collins in mm. open play. Yeah. Like, it was one of his like trademarks of like a kick when people no one's asked for him to kick it, but he does it and gets away with it because it turns him, out being quite good. Him being captain and taking the kick to the corner himself playing for the Ospreys is still one of my favourite memories. Yes. Yes. I'm telling you, Jerry Collins was the only New Zealand player who was required to do anything in this game. Yes. Said, Jerry will do it and the rest of us will just be on Jerry's shoulder so that we can get the ball and score the try. Yeah, and this, this great point where Jerry Collins makes his break, does this chip kick, and is Aguiar himself goes back drops on it like in his own in goal area but he's carried it back so he doesn't ground it and he gets up does this thing where it's like okay i'm gonna run it out here i'm gonna be the hero i'm gonna go and get us to the end of a 22 and do that thing where commentators say oh he has done well there <laughs> yeah. he looks up and he slightly steps out of the way of toi Arva and goes okay i won't i won't go at him you know that's fine i'm not gonna skin him realistically runs up and starts start sprinting and he goes oh shit no that's jerry collins and gets nailed behind his try line and uh, then goes yep yeah, no fair enough Let's the ball go loose, just kind of flings it in the yes. air in hope more yeah. than anything else. Doesn't have a play nearby. Commentary were surprised that he did that. And I was like, why wouldn't he try and run it? What else is he going to do? Like, he's yeah. not going to just put it down. Commentary were like, oh, he's going. I was like, well, yeah, because he's just been caught behind his own line. Of course, he's going to try and fucking run it out so that they can <laughs> kick it away. But I thought Portugal's exits from their 22 were really good. And then I realized yeah. I was like, oh, it's because they're having to do so many of them. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a lot it practice. is absolutely constant, isn't it? And you're kind of like the first 25 minutes, I was really proud of them for consistently exiting correctly and like yes. getting outside the 22. Yeah. And not overplaying no. at any point. Yeah. Not going like, oh, okay, this is the one where we'll catch oh, them no. out, lads. Don't overplaying worry. at one point and one point only. <laughs> what, which one was that? The one we were just talking about. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. You kind but... of forget watching them. You're like, these exits are so good. And you're like, oh, no, it's objectively a bad thing that they're having to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, they should be down the other end scoring points, but instead they're exiting. But their exits were great, I thought. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Got three fans of Portugal's exits here. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, Toby Alva scores, runs a good line off Aaron Major. Boring. Yeah, I just have written, no one cares, New Zealand go home. So uninteresting. Yeah. It gets to this point that when the, when we cross the 20-minute mark in both halves, Portugal just collapse. Like, yeah. they put up a fight for 20 minutes in both halves, and then the All Blacks just score one try after another, after another, after another. Because, like, you think, as I say, you think 100 points, and you think... They're scoring on most passages of play. Whereas, in fact, here, it was Portugal would have a game for 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off, you know? And then they would literally just score like five passages in a row. Mm. Yeah. So Ali Williams scores a try, does a nice carry off 10. Yeah, he scores. Who cares? Graham Henry said after the game, I hope Portugal are also pleased. They gave us some real problems at times. They seem to be happy after the game. That's nice. And I think Rolashi sums up what you're saying. You know, I'm... Very magnanimous of him. Yeah. He also said of the All Blacks, though, I was delighted with the way the guys handled the game, showed their skills, and treated the opposition with dignity. Oh, I hate when teams do shit like that. After, Like, why can't you just say, yeah, we fucking humped them because we're the All Blacks and they are Portugal? Like, <laughs> right? it's, that would be actually so much less fucking condescending than being like, you know, they, they, they gave us a really difficult... No, they didn't, realistically. <laughs> You could Twice. have said they, they exited well out of their 22 in the first half, but after that, like, we, we, we didn't have to do anything. Yeah. I've twice in my career of playing rugby been on the end of a 100-point loss, right? <sighs> and I remember in one of them, around sort of the 70-80 point mark, the fly half scored, and then as he was walking back to take the conversion, said to us, oh, no, keep going, guys. You're, like, you're doing really well. And I was like, fuck off. <laughs> like, I know that you mean that, like, from a place of, like, you're trying to be nice. Yeah. But it's just like... We don't want to hear that. Like we've had enough conversations under the posts now about why we're playing shit. We just need this to be over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not fun. It's no. not good. However, can I mention one other thing from a Kiwi? Right. So there was a, a man in the crowd called Errol Brain, <laughs> which is okay. 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 Two questions. How, right. How, how do why you know do, that? Why do yeah. you care? Yes. Yes. What's what's so... the significance of Errol Brain? Errol Brain played four games for the Auckland Blues, right? Okay. okay. This, this still doesn't answer why you know that this. Why are you talking about like this random one guy in the crowd? So, there was what? There was forty thousand seven hundred twenty-nine people in there. Why are we focusing on Errol so, Brain? Errol commentary, Brain. Commentary didn't even say he was beautiful. Why do we care? <laughs> so Errol Fraser Brain, to give him his full name. I'm glad he played in a pre-concussion being talked about all the time era because it would have been too tempting for Austin Healy. So he played for the Blues for a bit and he played two games for the New Zealand Maori, but nine years apart, which is bizarre. However, he was in the crowd this day as an All Blacks fan, having travelled to France, having been a former professional himself. And when he was there, he decided that he really loved Portugal. 
And he went on off the back of this to start coaching in Portugal, eventually becoming Portugal's head coach in 2010, off the back of having really enjoyed watching them in this game. Watching them get dicked. Yeah. That's so, that's and so he great. was like, I just like these lads. I want to coach them. So he was coaching at the Chiefs at the time and he moved to Portugal to become an assistant and then the head coach because he enjoyed watching them in the crowd. My mental image is brains from Thunderbirds. <laughs> going and fixing Portuguese rugby. Well, he didn't fix it, did he? Well, they, they're they in the World Cup. They didn't. They were in the World Cup now, but Errol Brain yeah. is their head coach now. <laughs> no, but he, I guess, got them. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, he got them to <laughs> fail in two qualifying. I qualifying. Yeah, there we go. Fired. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. There we go. He yes, got. He, he got them to to not be better than Spain in the World Cups, where Spain weren't cheating. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. There we go. There we go. Yeah, he saved Portuguese rugby forever. Errol Brain. Who told That's... you he was there? <laughs> oh, himself. Not him personally, didn't tell me. But I read a quote from him. Uh, he said it was a fantastic rugby day. Do you always read his column? His... I'm constantly <laughs> in brain talk. Yeah, I love Errol Brain. The day showed me what was really good about rugby. What differentiates it from different sports, said Errol Brain. <laughs> Do you the think... passion, the support, the way the players approach the game. It was a really strong memory and one I'll have for a very, very long time. Not Do forever, th- though. No, because <laughs> his arrow brain will will eventually <laughs> let it just slip. Do you think when players turned up for the for the run-through, it was called brain training? Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the the run-through like even, during a rehearsal. Not yeah. even that funny. <laughs> I tried to think of a, an alternate word for training without like Americanizing it and calling it like practice. Do you think, yeah, they were coached by Dr. Kawashima? Yeah, that's... He brought him as a guest He was the coach. assistant coach. You know? <laughs> he taught them all to be really, like, much more polygonized. <laughs> they just have really sharp edges on their faces. It's the modern-day Jake White and Eddie Jones, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they'd get up the teams they're playing, and they'd be like, no, don't tell me the name of the team, tell me the colour of the kit they're playing in. <laughs> Errol Brain. Errol oh, Brain. I don't even want to talk about the rest of this game now. I want to go do brain training. <laughs> like my so Nintendo DS listens. is in is in the drawer next to me. Like I want to take it out now and start doing oh, I pulled my because they're closing the 3DS like online shop at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So I re I charged mine up the other day and I spent the last week pulling it out again, just like going through and finding <laughs> things in the sale. And I it's the combination of nostalgia being like, actually, this is good. This is stand up. This is, you know, bloody playing Pyoro, the little bird thing again and whatever. It's good. It's good. It's good Did work. Did you leave um, this next to my laptop? In the, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. In the again, I had There's a, a Game Boy Advance SP. Yes, that's for the listeners. Yes. Yeah. You'll find there's also a, collect- a small collection of games next to it. Yeah, there are. Inside it is Action Man Robot Attack. Yes, um, oh, wow. which is a banger. Fine. Certainly looks like it. That game holds up better than you'd think. Uh, I mean, I bet it does. Rugby. No, I want to learn more about Robot Attack. Oh, it's good. <laughs> there's a level where you can play as a monkey. Oh, um, like, you're Action Man for most of it, but there's also a bit where you play as an Australian stereotype, which is quite crudely drawn. Oh, yes, um, Lego Star Wars is here. Yeah, and there's also a really racist like Native American character. You can play as Greg um, Somerville in that. You can play as Greg Somerville. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then there's also this a monkey. Is great banter. Um, it really is. 
So it's bloody Christmas Zoe or something. Who cares? Who scored next for New Zealand? Aaron Major scores this try where Jerry Collins does things. All the work. He did so much of the work. (laughs) Yeah, no, he did. It it was good. Christmas Zoe offloaded to him. Jerry Collins then just couldn't be tackled and then thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to pass this. Aaron Major can have a walk-in. So he did. JC Um, then scored himself. I think that Jerry Collins can't be tackled because of like an aura thing. I don't even think it's anything to do with him actually as a rugby player. I think it's just like he is Jerry Collins and therefore we're just going to let him. Like I think he just has like a, he just has like a vibe thing around him where you're just like, you just can't touch it. The thing Eddie Jones said about George Smith, that like, it's like he's running with spiders on his back and no one wants to tackle him. That doesn't really make much sense, but... No, but you know what? (laughs) I know what he was going for. Have you heard of Eddie Jones, Patricia? (laughs) No. <laughs> oh, well, he's very much like the arrow brain of his time. <laughs> I only watch rugby from 2007. And Eddie, Eddie Jones, Jones wasn't in this one. He was at the Springboks as an yeah, assistant. They didn't but play in this one. one. They didn't care. No, Yeah, that's true. No one This, this is New Zealand, unfortunately. About... New Zealand were playing. Yeah. Okay. Are they the country that loves sailing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. big big sailors. Right, okay. <laughs> just, just massive sailors. Yeah. Just on big boats. Cool. Um, Eddie Jones looks like a different Thunderbirds character to um, Brains. Oh, so nice. There's clear beef between those two. Nice. Lady Penelope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really looks like Lady Penelope. Yeah, he does. Er- Errol Brain is going to be the next Australian assistant coach because he needs a few more before the World Cup. <laughs> I greatly enjoyed the moment in this game where Portugal get a penalty on halfway and they set up a wall tap move. Yes, I wrote that down. They were like 40 points down or whatever and they went for a tap penalty in their own half. I was like, why are you doing that? <laughs> it's the All Blacks. <laughs> At least it went really well. That's the good yeah. news. <laughs> they probably got tackled around where the penalty was given, right? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Success. I feel like Portugal play like a really, really, really devolved version of Portugal now. Like there's when when they're when they have ball in hand, you're like, if they were able to do this, it would look quite similar to the way Portugal play with ball in hand now. And I was like, I found it interesting that they were like sort of recognizably Portuguese, just much, much worse because they all had full time jobs instead of, you know, playing rugby in France, which they all do now. I still have a thing where when I see anyone playing 12 for Portugal, I think it's Thomas Appleton. <laughs> I had that in that game where I wrote in my notes like Appleton. I'm like, no, he's a turtle. No, he was a child at this point. He was never a child. Come on. He, he was, was born still a very glorious, like raven haired raconteur of a child. He yes. was the baby. He was the baby that Carl Heyman was holding when he scored his try. <laughs> he's it- also a dentist, though, Thomas Appleton. So, yeah, yeah, he's a qualified dentist. I think he's now playing rugby full-time, but just fits into the theme, doesn't it, of lawyers and doctors all over the place, physios. An Appleton a day or something. Nice, keeps himself that's away. Good. Yeah, that's, that's going to come up in a Squidge video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not the last time you heard that one. <laughs> that one's for the podcast listeners. Like the pause where someone went to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> a scroll uh, on the wall behind me. <laughs> Jerry Collins scored a try. Yes. Good. Uh, I think he deserved one because he only yes. scored one and he created all of the others. Yes. Yeah. Toby Arva makes his break on first phase from a nice little set move. Passes inside to Jerry Collins because he can't be asked to finish it and thinks, you know what? As you say, Patricia, like JC's worked hard enough. Let's give him some points. 
the sheer ease with which New Zealand pull them apart when they need to or want to kind of shows you say that they weren't trying as hard as they could for the rest yeah. of the game. Yeah. And again, it's when Portugal are knackered. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very reminiscent of last year, Rodrigo Fernandez said after that Scotland game where Chile played Scotland, that he'd never seen rugby as fast as that. And mm. he just wasn't used to that at all. And you get that vibe whenever New Zealand do a set move or they get a chance to really play themselves. Yes. After the 20th minute. Portugal just, yeah, they just can't adapt. Like that's a set move that someone is used to playing in that standard can adapt to and can cover. But when you're doing it for the first time, yeah, of course you're lost. Of course you're not used to the ball going and zipping in eight directions and having four runners. You can be as fit as you want, but Mm. if you've literally never been exposed to that, there is no way you can combat it. Yeah. And it looks really simple because it is, but it only is because we're used to seeing teams that can defend that because they've come up against it hundreds of times in training and dozens of times every season in attack, if not every game. Look at that. Chris Marceau try at the end of the mm. half like New Zealand run quite a nice move and you know some nice lines to get into that position but you feel like if that was in the second or third minute Portugal probably would have made a good yeah, tackle yeah. on Marceau mm. whereas they've been relentlessly trying to just chase them around the park all day they can't make anything like dominant on him so Marceau like brushes off the tackle and it looks so poor and so weak but that's because of what New Zealand have been doing for the rest of the game yeah and there's a few, like the Andrew Hall try that comes from a run of offloads. And you're yeah. just sort of like, yeah, they can make good contacts, but they're going to run out of it because the sheer skill level of most of the Kiwi players. They're just yeah. going to run out of bodies to smash into them. You know, Diore can only cover about half a phase a minute. Like, don't <laughs> don't make him work too hard. And once once they can't intercept, you know, once they're unsuccessful yeah. <laughs> with the intercept, they're sort of out of ideas. Yeah. Um... I loved how many intercepts there were. It was so funny. Homestead. By the time we got to like the fourth one, I was like, that's too many interceptions. <laughs> New Zealand didn't get one. That's insane. Like, what are you doing? New Zealand didn't get one intercept all game, but that would rely on Portugal making a pass. So <laughs> 52-3 was the halftime score. I yeah. think we're pretty much up to there. It feels um, weird that they hit 50 points because Portugal kept it down for the first 20 minutes. But mm. as I said, it was just relentless after that. It was just one after the other. And... Portugal do go, okay, second half, let's roll the dice. Let's bring everyone on. Bring <laughs> everyone yeah. on. Because everyone was dead. Like, that's <laughs> how they survive another 20 minutes after half time. It's because these guys haven't had to run yet. I was absolutely gutted to lose Gonfalo Malihero. Oh, I know. I was I know, so sad. He was playing so well. Him. I was like, why are you taking him off now? He's the best he, one. He wasn't knackered. He could have smashed Nick Evans another five times. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real shame. He was. Mm. Probably Portugal's best player in that half, despite his mm. sheer inability to let the ball go from his hands and throw it to another person. That's it. Like, I think Antonio Aguero does well. And, like, every time I look at him, I think, I bet that guy tore up the pro data. <laughs> like, he just has that vibe of one of those players that scores 17 tries in a pro data season. He's he did wearing, an, he's wearing, after the he's wearing an eye patch. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. You can spot him by the complete lack of digits on his fingers. <laughs> Can we also just address every time Portugal either made a break or found like any space, they just went, okay, now what we do is we kick it. Like as soon as they found any space, they just booted it randomly. And it worked most of the time. Like it's obviously a really good tactic, like whilst the opposition are on the back foot. But I just kind of like that it it looked so hurried and panicked and yet like almost flukishly worked out basically every time. Well, I like that they brought both the Pintos on at halftime. Yes. Because clearly 
they couldn't just bring one. Clearly, they wanted to change their nine. They're like, well, we've got to change both nine and ten because we need both pindos on at once. We can't just change. Okay, act. fine. Yeah, <laughs> we've got to have them both on. He'd already made the halftime food, so he was. They were like, right, <laughs> he, can, he can play rugby now. We couldn't start him in the first <laughs> half because he was in cooking. But now that halftime is finished, you can go ahead and play the second half. Do you think they watched that first pass in the first minute of the game by Pissarra? And they went, no, start warming up, Jose Pinto. Start warming up now. <laughs> but but I've, I've got to do table service. <laughs> but when the teams come out for the second half, the first thing the camera pans onto is Rui Cordero. And yes. I was just uh, delighted. He he is just the most beautiful man, not to go with full Murray Mexted, but <laughs> he, he is gorgeous. And I pointed this out last time with Johnny. He's just the most majestic and large man I have ever seen. The spiritual father of Reese Henry. Like those two are caught <laughs> on the absolute same floor. It's just, it's it's unbelievably wonderful. Um, I have Cordero written in block capitals with a love heart next to him, just as halftime finishes. Yeah, I wrote Rui with like eight eyes in capital letters. <laughs> the big difference between him and Reese Henry is that at least Cordero has hit 30 at this point. Only just, yeah. but he has hit 30. Whereas Reese Henry is like, he's like 24. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like three months older than me or something. (laughs) We're on really different trajectories, I hope. Maybe I'll be bald in three months, who knows? Maybe you'll dominate Leicester Tigers and win the match. Maybe. It's an option. You and Mateus together, Portuguese monster heroes against Leicester Tigers. um, It's the natural kind of trajectory after coming on this podcast is you go and dominate Leicester Tigers in a a couple of months later. Yeah, That'll show the coach from the one game of rugby I ever played. (laughs) How did it go? One game of rugby. I played one game of rugby because our school didn't have grass. So they said that we couldn't have a rugby team. But then they were like, oh, no, we should let women play rugby. So they let us have a rugby team. But we had to train in the boys school. So we trained for like weeks and we had one game against the other girls school in the town. And when we got there, our head coach was also their head coach and hadn't told us. So we didn't win. And then he stopped coaching us because they won. He was like, I actually oh, only have no. time to coach. I actually only have time to coach one team and they won. So Jesus. that was it. Stupid. And New Ross didn't have a women's team at that point, so I couldn't go and play for them. So I just never played rugby ever again. I've got a two-part question for you. One, did you play a position in that game or was it just completely random? And two, where do you think you would play nowadays? Like based on vibes? I played open side flanker in that game. Mm-hmm. I think if I was playing now, well, I have a clicky knee now, so I probably couldn't oh. play. I would play on the bench. Based on vibes, do you think you'd still be a seven? Do you think you still have seven energy? No, not really. But I don't know. Maybe I'd play like 12 or something. Nice. Nice. I like it. I like it. I don't think I had seven energy then, though. I think they were just like, okay, you can go there, I guess. Yeah. I think there was probably only like 12 of us anyway or something. So just like, fine. Just said the word shithouse to you and you just thought, okay, yeah, I'll rub with that. They were like, you support support monster. You can go there. (laughs) They need you and Diego Mateus playing the same position for 12, just slotting in true. together. That's true. And to be fair, the way that they pick Ireland squads, I'd have more of a chance of playing for Portugal than I would for Ireland anyway. <laughs> I'd be Well, I'd be eligible to play for anyone because I was born in the Channel Islands. So I could play for Wales, Scotland, England, Ireland or Oh Portugal. my God. No. Yeah. Imagine if I'd been good at rugby. I'd have been the most sought after rugby player in the world. Yeah. Callum Sheedy. by the Black Ferns. Yeah. <laughs> 
we once had this conversation, Robbie, about yeah, about uh, what is the ha- most eligible person that could possibly exist. Like, so I can't I don't mean like quite... a like a Jane Austen sense, the most eligible person, <laughs> like but in like, a rugby eligibility. What is the most the most number of nations could someone could be qualified be for? Yeah, I'm um, eligible for five. I would I would be eligible for five countries. Matt Banahan obviously has the three, also born in the Channel Islands. Mm. So he would have had Wales, England, and Scotland. Wow, oh, that's a proper cheat code, the Channel Islands. Yeah, because I have a an, a Channel Islands birth certificate, but neither of my parents are from there. So I play for anyone. This is <laughs> this know, is great. I don't know who I would have chosen. Yeah. You you are wasted on podcasting, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> they should have let me play more than one game of rugby. They should. And we should start Still having caps for this. <laughs> That's a good idea. Oh, man. Should we get back into the second half of New yes. Zealand versus Portugal? New Zealand drop a few balls. Chris Jack throws one at Gary Collins's head. Lol. Do you know why they do that? Why? Because they're shit. They are shit. Other than Jerry Collins, it's not his Other fault, than Jerry Collins. The rest of them are Jerry shit. Collins. New Zealand's handling was actually shit in this game, though. Like, they dropped the ball so many times, and I felt like at one point they were doing it on purpose because they knew how good their scrum was. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand's handling is either unbelievable or terrible, and there's no yeah. in between. It's either like, being it's... intercepted, they've dropped it, or they've just scored the best try you've ever seen. Yeah, there's no in between. There's just, like, no. the complete opposite ends. Whereas Portugal, stay right in the middle, and a proper <laughs> rugby team should. <laughs> You know, their 10 doesn't pass. You don't need that. You don't need that. They might drop it. Obviously, 47 minutes into this game, the greatest moment that could have ever possibly yes. happened does happen. Yeah. Which nearly gets ruined by Dave Pearson. I don't know why Dave Pearson had to get involved in this whatsoever. They were like a thousand points down at this point. I don't understand why Dave Pearson had to be phoned to be like, do you think that Portugal should get their little moment? Why is it all resting in Dave Pearson? But... Eventually, he let he let Portugal have their eight milliseconds of glory before New Zealand scored again. <laughs> hey, I think it was. I think it's the standout game. moment. Portugal's yeah. moment of glory is the Guardian wrote. Yeah, yeah, of course it was. Rui yeah. Cordeiro got over the line for Portugal. It's the, the game. That's the only thing that happened in that game. Yeah, as you say, like him saying, like, is there any reason why I can't give the try? And Dave Pearson probably comes back, like, yeah. Maybe you're a dickhead. Maybe that's a reason why you wouldn't give the try. Much like you gave that not straight earlier on. Same reason. Idiot. But no, Dave Pearson goes, no, if you're a reasonable person, there's no reason why you can't give that try. Entire sequence of pick and goes that leads to the eventual try. Every Portuguese player looks giddy with excitement. Yes. <laughs> they look like they've just ingested endless smarties and are now about to burst. It's great. Like, like, there's one of them that basically trips themselves up because they've got this big grin on their face before <laughs> they go for the line. They're like, oh, I'm going to score against the... I mean, they uh, must no. have been having a moment of like, oh my God, we might actually be about to score against the All Blacks because we even we can do this. Like, we don't have to pass now. We can just pick it up and... and run you know three centimeters like we can all definitely do that it's great it's so good like there's such as you say robbie like such a self-awareness to what they're doing Mm. of like oh yeah i'm about to have a pick and go into you know chris marsoe or jerry collins or something and so there's there's like a one percent chance i might score off this as well how fun would that be and it's great yeah and like it's really well constructed. Like they're all positive pick and goes. They recycle the ball really quickly as well and go again after that, which I think is eventually the reason why they do score. It's the fact that the try is then awarded to Rui, Rui Cordero of all people. Yeah, it's just the most beautiful moment in rugby world cup history. I, love I mean, the... would that try be given in twenty twenty three? 
Probably not, because was the ball down? I see no reason why not, because I'm a reasonable person. Quite. Yeah, I I think so. But then I, I was like, again, it was like 2007 refereeing. I was like, they're not even really looking at it. <laughs> just watching the same angle like three times and being like, yeah, that's probably fine. Yeah, it's, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. And like, as they should. There was, there was there was actually no reason not to award that try. It was going to make no difference to the All Blacks, even if the ball wasn't down. It doesn't matter. But it'll be celebrated forever in Portugal. Yeah, I think it's like being the guy who scored the try against the All Blacks. Like what we saw with Georgia in 2000 and what was it, 15? Mm. When they, and it was like, it doesn't really matter. Like their 100 and whatever points doesn't matter. It's our one try. That's the Stan Stan Lowry was the yeah. guy who scored against the All Blacks in 2015. There That's a fun fact for you. I should really focus on remembering something more important than that but no. there's nothing more important maybe what rugby is that might be a star <laughs> yeah, that's, true. Um, that's true it is Rui Cordero he is rugby uh, yes <laughs> I enjoyed the the Guardian's bit on it, it says Rui Cordero second half replacement led the last of six charges from the base of a pileup five full rays had been withheld but White and his invisible friend were happy that Cordero had crossed the line and grounded the ball See, it was his it, invisible Pearson friend imaginary yeah, he just had like an imaginary dog he was talking to on the side. It wasn't actually TMO. <laughs> Invisible dog on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> just think that like Rui Cordero wish. probably had his hand up a cow's arse on the Wednesday and then he's scoring against the All Blacks on like the Thursday afternoon. It's just the best. <laughs> the way they describe this, they say, it took Joe Rockefeller three minutes to score and he added another one 11 minutes later. However, there was a Portuguese highlight shortly afterwards. In the 22nd minute, they intruded into the all-black territory for just the second time in the match. Scrum off Luis Becerra, flicked the ball peerlessly to Gonzalo Malahero, 40 yards from the post. The fly-half took the ball and took aim and delivered a drop kick with icy calm between the posts. Right? Compet- they described two all-black tries <laughs> <laughs> in about five words. There's a full paragraph on a Portuguese drop goal to put them only nine points behind after ten minutes. That's probably proportionate to what we've done on this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, they, this is just they, know what the people, they know what the people care about. Yeah. You can watch the Joe Rockethoka tries if you want to, but like, you know, he scored loads of those. Over the full match report, right? They mentioned in any real detail four of New Zealand's tries, which means that the <laughs> intercept by Marcelo Diori, which we mentioned before, which gets two full sentences, right? That's two full sentences more than 12 New Zealand tries. <laughs> An That's intercept incredible. where a lot kicks it. <laughs> Oh, on the fall as well. Yeah. Honestly, this is terrific, terrific writing by Herman Miller. You have to think, though, what if he hadn't kicked out on the full? That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, even with this Kudera try, I thought, yeah, come back, he's on. Come back, he's on. Yeah. Murray Megstead says that. He says, like, oh, Portugal have the wind up in their sails now. Yeah. He loves sailing. Oh, they're definitely going to come back into this. Like, uh, um, um, he Don't says that, but then arms. like four four minutes later, he says something like, Portugal are attacking again. He's like, surely there's not a second try for Portugal in this game. <laughs> yeah, and he <laughs> goes like, no, there isn't. There no, won't there be. isn't. He's so boring <laughs> about it. Shut up. Although Portugal do score more points in the first 10 minutes of the second half than the All Blacks score in the first 10 minutes of the first. So like, mm. if we're just basing the first 10 minutes of each half as the scoreboard, Most then Portugal win. Portugal yeah. win 7-5. Portugal so, win anyway. Yeah, they do. They yeah. do. They do. Also, can we just talk about how absolutely ecstatic the Portuguese fans were when Cordero yes. scored? Yeah, that they, they were incredible. 
And there were so many of them as well. Mm. All completely explode. All yeah, of yeah. them to a man beautiful. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Like the amount of Portuguese flags that are waving around. And to be fair, like it's one of those things that at the start of the game, whenever Portugal, as I say, won a scrum or anything, the crowd would cheer or if they exited well, you know, the crowd would all cheer so loud. But that try was just next level. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. And yeah, they they explode completely. They're still screaming like a minute or so after the the try has been awarded. Never mind. The ball's gone down or hasn't. Who cares? It's brilliant. Like they're still. And then Portugal just stop. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) They're like, we scored a try. What more do you want us to do? Like, yeah. They fall apart so completely that Brendan Leonard scores. (laughs) (laughs) On a crash ball as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. they, let Nick Ev- they let Nick Evans score, probably, so that he could say that he sailed through the Portugal defence to score a try. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. he loves sailing, guys. Nick Evans. He, he loves really sailing. He is sailing. a New Zealander. He's a New Zealander, after all. Big fan of Portugal's next two attacks, right? The next one. They get it just outside the 22. And what do they do? They set up to have Cordero do another pig and go. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty meters out, like this really worked for us last time. And he was, oh, no, the key element there was that he was one inch out from the line rather than twenty eight meters. There's also one point where they give the ball to, and I quote, "pocket battleship Diogo Mateus," obsessed oh. with how small the Portuguese guys are, and they're really not that small. But it's like every time he's a tiny little man getting the ball. It was another one. I was like, "That's they're not saying that about New Zealand." It's like Hamish Watson. <laughs> yeah also like so tiny he was six foot tall near yeah. enough <laughs> like he's not a tiny tiny man we haven't put luke pierce into the team you know <laughs> who's still not that tiny also on the edge of the 22 there's a point where they give it to pinto and he just ignores like a three-man overlap and you know what fair enough like he's just so obsessed with the thought that he was then going to go for another drop goal attempt and it doesn't go great he kind of hurries it he's got like four all blacks in his face but he was just determined to cling on to that like two percent chance that the ball might go through the posts and uh he's then scored against the all blacks in a way he was only thinking about the food after the game <laughs> he was like yeah. i wonder if, if my pasteurized tobacco are cooked enough that they'll be ready for after the game <laughs> They're in the oven now. They're just waiting. They'll be fine. There's another, My other favourite attack of Portugal's is <laughs> there's a point where the ball is really slow, which is n- not uncommon, but they've got very slow ball. But you've got Pinto, fly half edition, really barking for it and screaming for it like he's got the genius player that's going to undo them all. <laughs> and then it's the most basic switch play you'll ever see. <laughs> it just sends Portaleia straight into Aaron Morge's face. Like such a easily behind the gain line i enjoyed the most basic move it's amazing i enjoyed um vasco Uva stepping conrad smith and that is genuinely yes. the first time i've ever seen conrad smith miss a tackle <laughs> it was on vasco Uva. Uh, it's just it heroic was not necessarily the correct option for him to go for that no, like, no. space outside <laughs> but, but also it, that's a highlight real moment also you know? fuck it if you're if you have an opportunity to step conrad smith and you're a lawyer who plays for portugal you're going to take that opportunity forever <laughs> like it's like the semi-pro juggler in mlr who stepped man on it yeah exactly like, it'll forever be a moment doesn't conrad smith have a law degree yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah conrad smith L- lawyer stepping a lawyer yeah what Conrad everyone expected. Smith looked so young. Like that's not what I remembered Conrad Smith looking like. And then after he scored one of his tries, like they turned, he turned around, and I was like, Conrad Smith. Like I couldn't, I couldn't. I was like, oh, 
that he didn't he doesn't look like how I remember him looking like when he retired which I guess because he was a bit older but like (laughs) that first Conrad Smith try is the most Conrad Smith thing I have ever seen where he picks that ball up does that thing where he holds it in two hands you absolutely know he's going to dummy it because he has this really like specific way of dummying the ball that he always mm. does, where he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to hold the ball exactly as I would if I pass it," and then does like a really exaggerated like get puts the elbows up and then swings the ball and goes, "Oh no, I've still got it." Like it was the, <laughs> the most Conrad Smith thing I've ever seen. And like shakes off a tackle and runs under the posts. You know when um, when Aaron Major scored his second try in the mm. second half, mm. the absolute like Ardi Savea ass dummy that he did before <laughs> he scored that try is like actually disgraceful. I was like, "There's actually." There's really no need to do that. It felt like Rob, you were rubbing it in Portugal's face at that point. They looked yeah. annoyed when they were like, <laughs> they were like, whatever, 110 off or whatever. They were like, oh, it didn't come off whenever something went wrong. It's <laughs> like, guys, I think you're going to be fine. Don't worry. Andy Ellis scores a try. Jerry Collins um, again, creating it. Yeah. yeah. Beats a few men, steps inside, then just goes, yeah, all right, you can t- you can have this one, Andy Ellis. You're fresh on the field. And he's a good lad, Andy Ellis. Yeah. So. And he will play forever. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's something really uh, interesting that happens later on because, Robbie, we always had this mm. thing when we played Rugby Challenge, right, about if you're on two tries and mm. you get over the line and pass it to um, a friend in need, then mm. that guy automatically gets man of the match. Yes. Right. This is a thing that we've had in our law since we were, like, teenagers, you know? Yeah. But and the th- we had Marfalo Dorea upholding that law. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. But thing is, I think that there is a difference between that and jug avoidance, right? And it's really hard to define the difference. The other the other part half of that law is if you get over the line and pass it to somebody who's on two tries and you give them their hat trick, you get man of the match. That's yes. just being That's friendly. Yes. Yeah. Rugby values. So what Aaron Major does, and he's just scored his second try, he steps inside, has a clear 40-metre run into the try line, and goes, fuck that, I oh, don't fancy running 40 no, metres. No, I really like that, because there's a guy coming good. across for him. Yeah, and yeah. he's not the most lightning-quick player in that team. Yeah, I really like that pass. Good. I thought that was lovely. Yeah. That was a lovely touch. Yeah, but it's still still trick avoidance. No, I think it's a great example of the thing we always talk about, doing the extra pass just to make the try look nicer. Okay. I, <laughs> think, it, I think it comes down as that rather than drug avoidance. What do you reckon, Patricia? Casting vote? I mean, I just, like, I actually abstain from this vote because I just personally feel that they should have stopped scoring tries at this point. <laughs> I think you, you've got the most compelling <laughs> argument. I think that's spot on. So Major should have gone himself, basically, because he had a lesser no. chance of scoring. Yeah. No. Yeah. He should have dropped gold. Yeah. There we halfway. go. So he did the wrong thing. He did the wrong thing. He should Dick have... of the day. <laughs> Kevin Mialami comes on the flank. That's my next favourite thing. Yeah. Um, as well as Carl Heyman in the second row. Yeah. Um, does Carl Heyman take a line out at one point? Does he? I don't I think know. so. I, I rewound it like three or four times to check because... New Zealand take a line-out on the opposition five-metre line, and Murray Mexted goes, oh, it's the big lock, Carl Heyman. And I was thinking, have you got that wrong? And I kept rewinding it. Both of the New Zealand locks had gone off at this point, because Rodney Soriallo had come on. Rodney Soriallo and Carl Heyman looked very different, mm. right? It wasn't Chris Marceau, it wasn't Jerry Collins, it wasn't Sione Lawaki taking this line-out. I think Carl Heyman takes a line-out when he's playing second row. Wow. Great. I think the thing is, you've asked us, and you're the one who rewound it four or five times. So, like, really, yeah. you should probably be able to tell us whether or not. Sure, but I hoped you might have rewound it three or four times as well. No, I didn't. No, fair enough. <laughs> you have better things to do. 
It took me like eight hours to watch this game, so I kept pausing it and doing other things and then going back to watch like ten more minutes of it. Oh, I'm Patricia and I have a life. <laughs> I mean, that was really th- harsh. Th- that wasn't what I was doing either. <laughs> <laughs> I was just getting bored and going into the other room. Okay, fair enough. Waiting for Portugal to score again. Yeah, you're keeping the much. score down, you're winding the clock down, but yeah. you're the game. <laughs> oh, the score's been 5 0 for three hours now. The All Blacks can't score anything. What other tries haven't we done? Uh, well, a Portuguese player tries to kick the ball and misses it. Uh, I have that written down, instant retire. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched this game in 2019 with my dad, that was the thing that we kept, like, we must have watched it 8,000 times. I like, was just, like, crying, laughing, watching. It's the funniest thing that I've ever seen on a rugby pitch. I think it was Joe Uva. I tried to look because I couldn't see the number, but, like, a lot of the players had the, like, Portugal flag scrum caps on. Mm. the red and green scrum caps and I know that he had one so I think it was him which is like he's a forward anyway so why are you doing that but also like it's just so funny because he's like oh, I'm gonna chip this through and you know Diogo Mateus is gonna run onto it because he's played for Munster and he's really good and he's gonna score and it's gonna be so magical and I'm gonna have this you know there's gonna be a statue of me in Lisbon when we get home from this World Cup and then <laughs> he misses the ball with his foot oh man bringing shame to the Uva family name yeah there's One really good point that I really enjoyed where New Zealand had what I would probably describe as a world record for the biggest overlap in history, (laughs) where Portugal basically just all sat there scratching their heads around a breakdown. New Zealand go two passes away, or one pass away rather, and go like, oh, okay, you know, we've got a massive overlap. And Nick Evans then goes, okay, I just need to throw this ball to literally anybody, right? (laughs) So he lobs the ball absolutely miles halfway across the pitch. And he passes to the one person that would have been no help to him, which is the Portuguese winger Aguiar, who intercepts <laughs> it. And the thing is, the New Zealand overlap is so big that as Aguiar catches the ball, he gets tackled because there just happens to also be an all-black there. It's a bizarre moment of not knowing what a tackle defence is. Portugal like just remembered that their two things are intercepts and 22 exits, and they didn't have the ball, so they couldn't do a 22 <laughs> exit. So they were like, oh, we'll intercept it now. <laughs> I really liked that 73 minutes when Portugal were 94-10 down and they went for posts when they got a penalty. Yes. So I was like, okay. Just accrue as many points as you can. I love it. So close the gap to 81. They close the gap to 81 points with seven minutes to go. Anything's possible. If we can just get down to 80 points, anything could happen. If not for that Heyman try afterwards, I'm sure the momentum would have been with Portugal. You know, that yeah. was really the sealer. The all the Conrad Smith there. try, all the other Conrad Smith try. Yeah. I just, look, it's not m- much relevant, but just a little bit. Yeah. Conrad Smith scores that second try. He kind of jinx on the outside of somebody when they go wide. Don't really know what happened, but yeah. I, Conrad Smith's second try, I think, is a really lovely score. Yeah. One of those where they could have done very straight hands, but instead they do a needlessly ornate <laughs> move in which people loop around and throw backdoor flicks and do like yeah. bat. Liam McDonald back. throws it over his and, head, which is great. Yeah. You're like, you know what? Good on you. If you've got to score tries, I'll allow this one because yeah. you've been much fancier and more ornate than you have to be. And then Conrad Smith's finish takes too much work. And you know what? I'm all for it. I'm all for that in particular. And then it yeah. cuts to the all-black bench, and Brendan Leonard has a towel on his head. And <laughs> that's great. He looks like someone in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Like, he looks like he's just... It's an excellent look for him, and I think he should have kept it his entire time. The Ospreys should have played every game. Uh, Zebra as well. Zebra, he did a black and white stripy one rather than just a white towel. But yeah, he should just worn a, a towel on his Pretend it's a scrum cap, yeah. Yeah. I very much agree with that sentiment. I think we've discussed all of the tries. Yeah, and if we haven't, there, who cares? There was yeah. too many. Yeah. Yes. 
So the full-time whistle goes, and Bob Simmons says on the commentary, now it's been a 100-point victory for the United States. So, yeah, sorry, All Blacks, <laughs> guess you didn't win. Unlucky lads, see you later. It's very That's good. Like, it doesn't even sound like All Blacks. It's not even close. It's great. Like, they did all that hard, or Jerry Collins did all that hard work. Then 80 minutes comes up and it's like, oh, fuck, we didn't even do that for us. We've just got <laughs> them five points on the table and 100-plus points difference. <sighs> That we always praise Bob Simmons for being like the one thing he does, and he doesn't editorialize at all. He just calls the game. He just goes, "These are the two teams playing," and I'll tell you about that. Makes no mistakes, you know. Apparently, apparently, he he also only noticed Portugal on the field. Yeah, exactly. As we all did, really. Truly. So well done to the United States, including Chris White, frustratingly. Yes. Just, it's fantastic to see them come up so well. I did notice McDonald scored, but it was interesting that it was Mike McDonald sprinting that in from <laughs> 40 metres instead. Nice. Yeah, well done to the United States. I think they had a really good game. Tough to say they deserved the victory, but, you know, fair play to them for getting it. So that brings us through to the end of the game. Patricia, do you have anything else? No, no. I don't think so, other than that, like, they scored too many tries. But I firmly I, believe that. We are all on board there. <laughs> which I think brings us on to Man of the Match and Dick of the Day. Do you want to start with... Let's do Man of the Match first. I will warn you, I will only allow you to pick Portuguese players or Jerry Collins. <laughs> That's so that interesting because I wrote down three names and two of them were Portuguese players and one of them was Jerry Collins. <laughs> <laughs> yep, same here. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, I think like I think Aaron Morgan has a good game, ones. but like, I don't care. I you wrote know, him down with a question mark. So I'm yeah, he's like, he's like, fine, who cares? You can be like, oh, well done, you played well. No one gives a shit. I think mate. we've all written down the same names here. Oh, interesting. So we all know that we've all written down Jerry Collins, right? Yeah. yeah. So the two Portuguese players I've written down before I pick one out, one of them is Maliero, the 10. Yeah. Only played yeah. a half, but you know what? What a half it was. The tinfoil turn, as he is now known. And the other one I wrote down was Rui Cordero, because yeah. he's a legend. <laughs> yeah, that w- they were also my three. I was probably going to pick Rui Cordero because he scored a try against the All Blacks. I love and, it. I mean, that's, you know, that's all you can say. Yeah. That's, that's a thing that he did, and no one can ever take that away from him. What if we all agreed on him and like tried to fix him as player of the tournament, like Timothy the Dog in 1987? <laughs> not how it works, I'm afraid. Aww. Can I also mention, I also had Marcelo Diori down. Oh, yes. Yeah. I loved yes. him. I loved him. The I loved the fact slowest that, good second row. <laughs> yeah, he worked so hard in a way that both was amazing to watch and also was a bit like, oh, your, your standard is not that high, but you've exceeded it <laughs> so greatly. <laughs> It's really remarkable that someone so little, like so minuscule, <laughs> could could play in the second row in a World Cup. It's really, really amazing. The, all of them so tiny. Also, <laughs> a word for Vasco Vasco Uva at number eight as well. Mm. That's a great game. The amount of both ball he carries, but particularly like Talupe Falatowing the ball out of a scrum he does yeah, just yeah. to rescue them. Didn't uh, he go on to play in France after this World yeah, Cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After. He had quite he a good career. He played yeah. in Montpellier. He had like 120 caps um, for Portugal, didn't he? Something like that? 101 caps. 101 yeah. caps. Okay. Yeah, played for Montpellier for a while in the top 14. Right. They also signed his brother as well. I don't know if that was like a <laughs> sign me, but you'll also get, you know, anything else. The guy that's who misses what, the ball when he tries to kick it. Yeah. That's what Leinster did with Dave Carney and Rob Carney. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have me, but I have to bring Dave with me, otherwise our mother will get really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I got a job. 
<laughs> so, Patricia, you're going through Codero. Yeah. An excellent Who shout. else would Will? you go for? Um, I feel like I do want to go for Cordero. I feel like it's only right I give it to Jerry Collins. And yet, I, above all, the person I'm most tempted to give it to is my hero, 10. But I'm going to go with Jerry Collins. I think it's yeah. only fair. I mean, let's not, let's not, you know, it was just lovely to see Jerry Collins. Yeah, that was my first thought. First time I saw him, I was like, "It's oh my god, it's Jerry Collins." I loved watching him play rugby, and he was extremely good. But he plays for New Zealand yeah, in this boring. game, and therefore, yeah. Go on, Robbie. That's who you got? The thing is, I I think it's got to be Jerry Collins, but I definitely want to give it to either Diori or Maleo. But it's got. I feel like I've got to give it to Jerry Collins. It just feels like he was the best player on the pitch and by a distance. <laughs> and it feels like if he was only marginally the best player on the pitch, I would have given it to Malhero. But Interestingly, if you'd picked Man of the Match before I did, I would have totally not picked Jerry Collins. Yeah. Um, but we've established that Patricia's the only fun one among the three Do of we us. Do we want to... Oh, no, okay. Rui Cordero scored a try against the All Blacks. Jerry Collins literally didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Never did that in his career. Never once scored a try against the All Blacks. Damn, that's such a good point. Right, should we do Dick of the Day? Connacht once, though. You know, it's not the same, is it? No. Rubbish. Yeah, so Dick of the Day. I Can I start? Yes. Yeah. It's the All Blacks. <laughs> Wankers. The All Blacks. You know, they're just a bunch of bastards who just scored too many tries. No one cares. Go home. Seems fair. My... Dick of the day is Murray Mexted for hitting on a woman in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. I sort of went along the same lines of the All Blacks, but then I remembered that one of the All Blacks is Jerry Collins. So I didn't want to pick all of the All oh. Blacks. So I just picked Graham Henry because I really just think it was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing too much. And like all of these, you could have picked all of these players, little brothers and sons, and they still would have won this game. So I just really think that putting that team out there was just a dick move from Graham Henry. And Steve Hansen, who was there, as Comfy told us. <laughs> was there. <laughs> it's hard to deny that. We have proof. We have facts. So thank you very much, Patricia. Thank you for the rugby and for the words <laughs> and for the excellent work that you've done. Where can people find you? Where can people find the podcast? Where can we find everything else? Oh, um, I do have a Twitter account. Let oh. me go and look what it is. <laughs> the podcast one, I don't know that one either. <laughs> could have written that down before well the podcast account is grav's account that's at rnr rugby that's too difficult i'm going to change that and mine is underscore patricia v underscore and the podcast is the rock and roll podcast and it's on i don't know spotify and stuff <laughs> and it is fully done apple podcasts that's where i listen to it so you said you don't listen to it that's where i have it subscribed on my phone so that okay. It's my, like I feel like I should have it there. Yeah, yeah you know when it comes out. Boost the numbers in it. Yeah, it's like in between yours and like off menu. That's, that's <laughs> where it lies. That's that's such such a privilege. same same podcast. Yeah. Exactly the same podcast. Obviously, thank you also from me for coming on. Love thank your you work with me. the um, mm. with the rock and roll and all of the other stuff thank that you do. I find I'm finding it so much harder to be like genuine um, <laughs> right now because we've just chatted shit for two hours. But no, thank you. Keep up the good work. Obviously, your podcast's very good, and you've been an excellent addition since Grav got you in. So <laughs> cheers for coming and uh, giving us a bit of a, a sample of that. Off menu with me. Duarte Pinto. When? Oh my god. <laughs> When, why can't he replace Ed Gamble? Why not? Why can't he? 
Why can't and he? Jose Pinto to replace James Acaster. There we go. We've got the perfect. Oh, I mean, the their podcast is going to be called Pint- Pinto Beans. You know, nice. Like nice. Where's their podcast? Where's the Where's the Uva podcast about like law and stuff? <laughs> they Basically, what I'm saying is, where's the 2007 Portugal team podcast? Where's the Diogo Mateus special about the one game he played for Monster, where he started with Lafayette Mafi? <laughs> We'll add that to the queue, that one game. We'll, we'll watch that. Um, <laughs> all of Mateo's games for Munster. We'll watch all of Antonio them. Antonio Diaguera, such a varied career. Where's his podcast? Just detailing, just like an audio book on his life. Where's Rui yeah. Cordero's top 10 animals that he saved? <laughs> How many do you think were like, do you think there are any like elephants he was having to operate on? Well, you have to wonder had what kind of bird he was. He worked on elephants and he just had this game on in the corner and the elephant was dying and it really wasn't looking good. Then they saw his try and because it was a Portuguese elephant, they really picked up in spirits and lifted themselves. And lived and yet the try was still the elephant years. in the room. <laughs> nice. But they never forgot it because elephants never forget international rugby matches. It's true. That was Especially actually how... One. That was actually how he saved every animal after that game. He just sort of stopped doing the whole like operations and stuff and just put on his try against the All Blacks. I know. Like, oh, yeah, sound. Yeah, that works. That sorted <laughs> it. Yeah, my colon's all good now. Well, I watched the game with my dog yesterday and she loved oh, it. This is so, an important Did she look at it wanting to go on the pitch? I was explaining to her what, what about the pitch. I was like, look, that's where we're going to go. That's where we will be someday. Okay. Does she have a man of the match, by the way? Did she pick one while she was watching it? Oh, yeah. She really, really liked Jerry Collins because she likes what I like. <laughs> did, and I did, really like Jerry Collins. Did she like Rui Cadero? Actually, her man of the match probably would have been Diogo Mateus because she's a big Monster fan. Ah. Because I don't let her watch Leinster games. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to name her after. I like naming things after Monster players, and I wanted to name her after a Monster player when we got her. I was outvoted, so I wasn't allowed to do that. But I wanted to name her Rory Scandal. <laughs> like, <laughs> But like the full name. So like I didn't want her name to be Rory. Like I wanted her name to be Rory Scandal. But I was told that that's not a suitable name for our dog. So <laughs> she wasn't called Rory Scandal in the end. Because well, you have the dog Jean de Villiers already. Yeah, he's behind me. We can't see him. Please, that's a fake dog for everyone listening. fake <laughs> dog. <laughs> there he is. Oh, hello. Hello, Jean, Jean de Villiers. And the bear's Are called you... Gavin Coombs. That's, that's very... a real bear, though. That's a real one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She was sat in your room. Yeah, um, I did. Oh, I named. I didn't name him John Davilius until like much after. I had him for ages, and he didn't have a name. And then John Davilius signed for Monster, and I was like, "Well, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to commemorate this somehow." He is now John Davilius, and of course, I, you told real John Davilius. Yeah, I was on the show with John Davilius the other year, and we had like a moment of downtime where I had to make small talk with John Davilius. So I told John Davilius. Which I think is the coolest fucking thing. Um, ever. And he was very honoured and surprised and <laughs> laughed. It was a, a, a heartwarming moment, I think, for all the family. Because you asked me, you were like, "Can I tell him?" I was like, "Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life." And yeah, he was up for it. He loved it. He thought that's a big honour, and I'm very touched. Words <laughs> to that effect. <laughs> it was a very odd whole day that. Because they told me to like prepare URC players that I thought played well that season mm. and talk about them. And so I did that and I had like five players and some from different clubs and all over. And then they said to me like, so you thought Stuart McCloskey had a great season, didn't you? And he was not one of the players who prepared for. 
<laughs> and I just had to talk about Stuart McCloskey for like That's a minute. That's funny, you pronounced Gavin Coombs really weirdly yeah. there. No. <laughs> but it was, it was like Gavin Coombs, Morgan Morris, like there was a bunch of them I'd... I had something on thinking that's how they were going to ask me. Uh, see only two Pilotto, that sort of thing. And they're like, no, I'm going to make you talk about Stuart McCloskey for three minutes. And what did you say about Stuart McCloskey in those three minutes? Big lad, uh, <laughs> somehow pulling off the the uh, man bun, good hands, did a fancy offload. Thankfully, they put clips up for me to look at and be like, as you can see here, he scored a try against the Sharks. And that was kind of the vibe. And I Who did John de Villiers think it. had played well in the URC that season? Oh, someone South African. Uh, I think it was Evan no. Roos he went for. Boring. Banda. Yeah. <laughs> he should have picked a monster player. He should have. <laughs> what Maybe a fucking turncoat. <laughs> Luke McGrath. <laughs> That's full circle, guys. Yeah. That's right, it. should we end We're this done. podcast now? We're done. We did it. We got there. Thank you very much for listening. Please join us next week when the game all being well should be Canada 16, Fiji 29. That should be rugby, almost unarguably. See you then for that. Until then, Will, thank you very much. Thank you. Patricia, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And everyone listening, thank you and good night. Invisible dog on the pitch. (laughs) 